Hello all, hello all. It's okay. I'm just so excited to get the episode started. On this wonderful new episode of Through the Lens, I, of course, am Davis. We have Alex behind the board here. You want to say hi, Alex? Hello, everybody. Okay, turn your mic back off. And we are joined by very special guests, friend of the show, Finley Meyer, and one world's greatest detective behind Batman, Benoit Blanc. Well, thank y'all for having me. Of course, Benoit. Benoit, my big question is, do you know what we're going to be talking about today? It seems to me that there is a mystery afoot, and I have been tasked to solve here a little old Auburn. Of course, of course. But, Mr. Blanc, do you know what comes before we talk about all that? Why, of course, Mr. Carroll, that would be the news. That's right, Mr. Blanc. And, of course, Finley, how are you? Oh, my gosh, I'm here, too. That's crazy. (laughs) We had so many celebrities in the booth. We had Nick Cage that one time. We had Tom Cruise. Benoit Blanc's here, too. Tom Cruise, a longtime listener, first-time caller, of course. Tom Cruise hasn't been in a while. (laughs) He was was here about 64 episodes ago. But as Davis has said, and Benoit and also Finley said, this is Through the Lens, Weagles 1, and only for now. For now. Movie podcast here on WEGL 91.1 FM. And if you could be listening on WGLFM.com, we're obviously on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We apologize for the delay. Davis had a car thing. I had a sick thing. Finley was perfectly fine. He just, yeah, he had to wait around for us. But don't worry, everybody, because after about 13 days off, we're going to do three episodes in seven days. This is Alex's idea. We got to catch it. I mean, I would have just taken a week off, frankly. No, not at all. <laughs> Because the, pro- the problem is when I scheduled it out, I got the idea that I was excited to do pretty much every movie that we have on our list. Even the one that we weren't excited about, we've replaced with a DreamWorks sequel episode that I cannot wait for. And we have to let our guests. Of course. We have to talk to our guests about that. I'm just letting you know. I forgot to tell you earlier. Uh, something else going on? Well, we got to let our guests know when we're recording. Oh, yes, of course. Of course we will. It'll, it'll be a normal Thursday, like, like is the plan. Oh, well, okay. We'll, we'll, um, we'll hash this out later. We, we absolutely will. But as, they, as Benoit was so kind to say, it's time to talk about... The, the news. Oh, oh Benoit's, Benoit's leaving. That's oh, so no. Sad. Benoit oh, has left the studio for now. Maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Now, trivia. Two questions we asked at the end of our last episode on Avatar. Which Seinfeld actress lent her voice to the movie A Bug's Life? I know. Finley, you? you also know. The only reason I know is because I can think of one Seinfeld actress. That being? Estelle Harris. Oh, my gosh. Julia Louise Dreyfus. It is, in fact, Julia Louise Dreyfus. What character her. did she play? What? In in Bugs Life, oh. not in Seinfeld. <laughs> Dork. She played like the the girl bug, like wow. the main one, right? Clear, clearly, Davis does. Am not. I crazy for saying that? I don't think that's so off. No, no, I know. I'm just messing. I'll with give you her name like, right now. You ready? Give me the name right. Princess now. Ada. Oh. Who cares? It's the girl bug. Oh yeah, of course, of yeah. course. And then Who another thing: which class of ship is Serenity in the movie of the same name? Um, I don't remember you asking this. Yeah, I don't either. It was a ba- It was also 13 days ago. You know, the episodes they go out of our out of our brain cavity very soon. One time I was scrolling through Amazon Prime Video, and then I saw Serenity, and I was like, "That seems like a fun movie." And then I started watching it, and I was hopelessly confused because I had no idea it was a Firefly movie. What is it? I bet it's called a Class A Firefly. That's correct. Oh. Yes, it's it is. What? Well, no, it's just Firefly. Oh, not Class Oh, my a. goodness. I was like, wow, what a <laughs> shot it, in the it, dark. <laughs> it is, in fact, based on that show, right, with Nathan Fillion. Mm, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I haven't been, seen it. I haven't seen it either. Apparently he sh- he should have been Nathan Drake. That's true. Point. He should have. Instead it, was, instead, it was Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm. okay. Really. You know what's funny? You I, know who, something else about Firefly. Oh, yeah. Josh Whedon wrote it. Mm. 
That's, I don't what, think people, I'm that's what people like Josh Whedon. When he, when he could write stuff. Except then he also wrote Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which it basically reinvented the barrier gaze trope. So maybe mm. not so good. Maybe not so good. I don't know. I haven't anyway, watched it either. So. I haven't watched either one of those. But now let's go on to the news, guys. Um, first and foremost, apparently the Ant-Man script leaked, which marks the second major Marvel film in recent memory to have a script leak. Obviously, the first was, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home. Obviously. Our loyal listeners remember when Davis was de- decrypting the, the tweets and the images. He was, was right on right. everything. I was right on everything. He was right on everything. Doctor Which, Strange, not as right, but it's okay. You know, it's a testament to how bad Marvel CGI is that some things I thought looked fake. It's like, oh no, it's just it's just Marvel. Like the one the one with Doc Ock where he didn't have like the limbs on, that one looked terrible. But it was in fact Doc Ock anyway. Because they had him wearing that harness so they could yeah. CG the arms on. I guess. No, it's not I guess. No. That's what it was. Anyway, I mean <laughs> That's what happened. I'm not really excited for Ant Man. I mean, we're gonna go see it because I know we are and I have to talk about it on the podcast, but I don't really care. I don't either. Yeah, I don't really like movies in general, but there you go. that one specifically I'm not interested in. Baboom. So you, you don't like movies at all, but here you are on our movie podcast. Yeah, I thought I'd just mess around. Oh, yeah, that's excellent. Thank Can't you, Finley. Popped we in. Cannot wait to hear your critical analysis. I was on just in the room and you guys started talking. Well, so. you know, it, hap- it happens every once in a while, doesn't it? Some yeah. just wander in here. It's crazy. Yeah, Benoit just left. Yeah, Benoit and had I to just, go. I took his seat because ah. it seemed like a good spot to sit. So. Well, there you go. Speaking of something that could get Davis excited, um, HBO has already renewed The Last of Us for a season two. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's cool. You're excited until until they do the part two storyline and all no, the of part two storyline's good, but they better hide whoever's going to play uh, Abby. I'll just say her name. Yeah, whoever we, plays yeah, Abby. There's, there's, we know the characters' names. What, what will happen is is another question entirely. Obviously, um, I'm going to watch it this weekend, Davis, for you. Don't do, do, you it, for me, do it for me. Do for yourself. Well, I know, but you yeah. sent me that text, and I was like, okay, yeah. Plus, I mean. Like everything I've heard about episode three makes me think I'll really enjoy. It. I don't know if you've been keeping an eye on the Last of Us stuff, Finley, or not. I've heard only good things. Um, I'm not a huge zombie guy, but I am a I'm a huge uh, good story guy. So technically, they're not zombies. True. Oh, good. Technically, they're fungi. Oh, then I'm super down. There you yeah, go. Exactly. Very interested. Yep. And what, they're like called a bunch of different names, right? Like, well, there's different. They used to be spores, but they're not spores anymore. Well, yeah, they're spores in the game. It's based off a real fungus called Cordyceps. That takes over ants' bodies and like literally turns like takes over their bodies, takes them to their ant hills, and then like puts tendrils out and affects all the other ants. Okay, yeah, the uh, nightmare, sure. Yeah, pretty it, scary. Yeah, actually, pretty much. But I'm really excited to get started, and we're obviously going to wrap up this episode with what have we been watching lately, Davis. I'm sure you'll have maybe more to say on The Last of Us. Then I've got some things I'm very excited to talk. What have about. I been watching? I don't even. I don't know, know Davis. Hope you write it down. Mia, is it is it goth or goth? I think it's goth. Goth, Mia Goth. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't double check that before. And rips the Academy Awards selection process, saying in an interview with Jake's Takes, "quote I Ooh. think yeah, I have no idea." In an interview with Through the Lens. Oh, those <laughs> no, those guys. Yeah, I have no idea, but it was news. You guys don't know Jake? No. Oh, he's a great guy. Honestly, <laughs> you should chat with him. I haven't tuned into enough Jake work. He's lately. got pretty good takes. I'll be honest. Obviously, he does. The quote from Go- from Goth quote. I think that it's very political. It's not entirely based on the quality of a project, per se. A change is necessary, end quote. This, of course, is after horror films once again got shunned. Nope, did not get nominated for Best Sound, which is... You didn't get nominated for anything. Not a single thing. That movie's a technical marvel. What? Have you seen Nope, Finley? Nope. It's so good. It's so good. The the sound design is really some of the best I've heard in recent... Man, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so she's not wrong. Horror films have notoriously been 
pushed to the side of the Academy standards for years. It's not this is not a new problem. It's just that horror films are getting more artistic, and therefore they're not just sla- dumb slasher movies like Scream or Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a little bit more to it. Specifically, Ari Aster has done it, and lately Mia Goth has done it in like everything. Apparently, Infinity Pool is something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and obviously Skin Marine should be nominated. Duh, mm-hmm. I kid. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm joking, obviously. And then talk about things that have also been shunned from the Academy Awards. Shazam! Fury of the Gods had a new trailer, and I gotta say, this movie looks terrible. Was that movie shunned by the Academy Awards? Well, or? no, it's superhero movies in general have historically. Okay, I was I was about to say that would be deservedly shunned. Yeah, no, deser- <laughs> deservedly shunned. Shazam what? 1 is okay, but Shazam! Fury of the Gods is... You haven't Wonder seen Woman's it. in it. You haven't even seen it, man. Wh- what? But hey, I'm talking like, about the trailer. Oh, so bad. Yeah, because the you trailer looks the terrible. The trailer looks awful. I just love Zachary Levi, and it makes me so sad to watch him in that. Well, he did tweet something about uh, vaccines lately. So. Okay, I uh, rescind my statement. He said some crazy thing. And his his follow his following has been combed through. Okay, I take it off. Wait, back. what does I just that like mean? Chuck, I guess. Like who he follows? Oh no. <laughs> never, never. Ne- oh man, Twitter. What a public place that is. I, I, I like. I'm a fan of Chuck. Not I guess you're big, big fan of Chuck. So, fan sorry of, to, we're, we're sorry to have to break the news to yeah. you. Yeah, um, we always hate when we have to do that I'm, for the masses. It's like someone coming on and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I just love Kanye. Be like, oh. mm. Someone comes on, oh, my gosh, I loved Kevin Spacey. Oh, Wait, yeah. Did, did, uh, Kanye, did Kanye do something? Don't go on Twitter. No comment. Anyway, I don't know. The trailer looks terrible. Wonder Woman's apparently going to be in it. And this is basically like the last gasp for DC because obviously James Gunn has introduced a whole new plan. So... This film is not going to matter in a few months when the Flash resets it. We're going to talk about all the DC stuff in a later episode. Didn't just want to crowd all of our news in one episode over this seven-day period, or we would have, well, ran out of stuff to talk about. Smart. Tommy McGuire says he's down to come back as Spider-Man, saying, quote, If these guys called me and said, would you show up to do this or read or to do this movie or read a scene or do a Spider-Man thing, it would be a yes, end quote. What do we have to say about that? Spider-Man 4, Sam Raimi, Davis? Uh, maybe that. If it was come back for, for MCU, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle yeah. so much more nostalgia bait. There, that, that is what it seems to be. Finley, I don't know if you're a big fan of the Spider-Man films. You did just say you don't like movies. so I, I like the Spider-Man ones. Um, I just want to say, even if we're not down to watch that one, it's up in the air. I, if you're looking for new, fresh, not nostalgia bait movies, I would be willing to play Spider-Man. Oh, Finley could play Spider-Man as a... Oh, you'd play Spider-Man. Yeah. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm live, I'm fit, I have, Can you do great, a backflip? I have great on-screen charisma. Can you do a backflip? <laughs> I've, I could try my best. I think that's part of the audition, that they're like, okay, now it's time for that part of the audition. Yeah. I'll just have a... a Go dude, ahead and hit one. A dude and in a Toby green did the on my back. No, if you do yeah, just Toby on my back, it's going to be fine. Yeah, there's a guy that's just holding me in a With, like, with like a cable just flying you around the room, obviously. Um... I don't. We also got in a serious debate in Eagle Eye a few days ago about how Amazing Spider-Man is good, and uh, no, it's not. So I'll just I'll just leave it there for for our, for our listeners to to digest that thought. The first trailer for season four of Succession has been released. The series will return to HBO on March twenty sixth. I haven't watched Succession. Davis hasn't watched Succession. My dad has watched Succession, and Finley has watched Succession. Trailer season four. 
good, bad. They go to space, don't they? They do. It's awesome. <laughs> the final frontier. It's crazy. I think the final season of every show should just be space. Incredible. Um, should Breaking Bad in space. I'm a I'm a very big fan of Succession, by the way. Excellent. Um, and I'm excited. Um, the important siblings are all going to team up and then stab each other in the back. Roman's got a new haircut. It's looking like a good time. Excellent. In space. In, in space. space, yeah. Of course, of course. It's well, he, all... They're all wearing helmets, so... <laughs> that's the new It's going to be a little weird. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's excellent. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Steven Spielberg is producing a documentary to focus on his 50-year collaborator and the greatest film composer of all time, John Williams. That's just a thumbs up. I thought you were going to say he's making one about himself, and I was going to be like, that's quite... That's quite, that's quite a so self-indulgent, humble, so isn't humble it? of him. After making basically the Fablemans, which was already about himself one time, he's got he's to run it back. <laughs> I can say, though, this is cool. I like this. Yeah. I really, like, John Williams is just really good at his job, and I think the fact that he and Spielberg both kind of together broke onto the scene with Jaws, which, and the Close Counts, Third Kind, and then... Obviously, Star Wars. Yes, indeed. Oh my god! I'm really what? Alex, you didn't, you didn't see the John Williams tweets? Oh, <laughs> oh, it's bad. They're <laughs> pretty bad. Man. That man doesn't even own a Twitter. I don't even know if he owns a cell that's phone. That's how. That's how crazy they are. Oh, yeah. oh dear. He, right. he um, composes all of his songs on GarageBand on his phone, <laughs> and then he just like has it open on dual tab, just like flips over, sends out a tweet, really racist, really homophobic. <laughs> oh, switches back. Slack. Now, due to the fact that we can't get um, run down for slander, which is an actual thing. Um, we're just joking. Hey, you, it's you, a joke. It's a joke. You, you, hey, guys. We're about never to make know. a joke right here. I am really excited to, to see it delve into the part about Schindler's List, obviously, because Davis and I have talked about the story before that that which is probably one of the best scores ever made, John Williams did not want to do because he was like, I am not worthy. And Steven Spielberg was like, actually, you are. And then he made, he made magic, so that's pretty cool. Anyway, John Williams is really awesome, and he's a treasure who cannot make enough great movies and movie scores. He did the CFP National Championship theme, which was pretty cool, and Fablemans, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I also I, saw the Fablemans. You did? Yeah. What'd you think? Pretty good. It's good, isn't it? There was a few scenes where I was like, "What in the world?" The, the I'm opening, sure you can think of the one. I'm sure you know the one I'm thinking of. The opening like 35 minutes, I was like, "What is happening?" What was happening in the first 35? Just like see the movie. It was like a oh, bunch- he was crashing on the trains. Yeah, and like it was just weird. Have you seen the Feldmans? I You really like it, I think. It you know me. I, I love movies, and I've never said anything otherwise. Yes, of course. Exactly. Obviously. Um, The first like 40 minutes, I was like, man, I want to make a movie. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. And then there, then he went to high school, and he started lying about having girlfriends and stuff. But Yeah, well, you know, he tried hard for a moment there. <laughs> He didn't fool me. So the the coolest thing I found was that all the movies that he made during that movie are like in his IMDb log, like yeah, like all the like the war movie and stuff. Look, like if you go to Steven Spielberg, go to director and go all the way down to the bottom. That was the idea. Yeah. All right. Well, you can you can look into that. We talk about Invincible will return in late 2023 is announced in a new teaser featuring Mark and Alan catching up over burgers. Obviously, Amazon is kind of ruling the superhero game right now, and we'll certainly talk about that a bit later with the boys and now Invincible. I haven't watched it. Cartoons that are violent just kind of aren't for me, I guess. It's weird. I don't know. Like, I get that that's obviously part of the medium, but... You only like real blood? No, no. But, like, I remember when I was watching, like, ooh, all the Just League movies, and it's fun until, like, somebody got stabbed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what is happening there? But, I mean, I trust Amazon and the people behind it. It's apparently really good. I watched it. It was You watched Invincible? Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, I thought so. I thought we talked about this, maybe. We might have. Yeah, that sounds about right. But, I mean, I'm sure it's great. And, again, Amazon is really crushing it in the superhero game right now. They 
kind of are running it, at least television-wise, because Disney Plus had a grip on it with WandaVision for like a minute, and I think they've since subsequently given that up while Amazon takes the lead. He also did an episode of Columbo. Yes, he did. Something fun for you. There That's you where I know him from. <laughs> ah, yes, ah, yes, the great Steven Spielberg of Columbo fame. New trailer for Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, starring Chris Pine was released. It'll be hitting theaters March 31st. Finley and I were watching it just before the show. Davis, did you catch a glimpse of this trailer? I'm sorry. I'm just looking at how many classics <laughs> he cranked out in like a 10-year span. I know! Read them off. Jaws in 75, then he went Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nineteen Who cares about that? Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. E.T. Twilight's on the movie. Don't care. He he directed one segment of it actually. Yeah. The second Indiana Jones, the color purple, Empire of the Sun, Last Crusade, and '89 was Last Crusade. And Davis, you do know you do know about the year '93, right? Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same. Apparently, he edited Jurassic Park while filming Schindler's List. And then he had Saving Private Ryan in '98. AI. We don't talk about that one. I haven't seen it. Is Minority it? Report. Which is pretty cool. I like mine. It, it was pretty. Catch, Catch Me If, if You Can, can which yeah. is excellent. Love, love that one. War of the Worlds. I haven't seen that one. I know I know. there's the peanut butter scene or whatever. <laughs> Where he's hung. I don't know. I don't know what happens. Yeah, oh, we got to feed the house. <laughs> I don't know what happens in that. <laughs> that movie is hysterical. He has and a then, few. Ready Player One. That's, that's getting a big old And then BFG rate. also. Eh. I haven't seen it. But, I mean, Feldman's is awesome, and West Side Story is apparently really great. So, like, the dude still... How's he do it? He's still got him, man. I mean, he, he, is, he is considered the greatest blockbuster director of all time, which is James true. Cameron. Okay. See, um, there you go. Spielberg might be the second. It's just because he invented, like, he, he had the first billion-dollar movie. He basically created the blockbuster and... Double down. No, I can't. You have I to can't. make up your mind, man. Yeah. But James Cameron obviously has four of the five highest grossing films of all time. He's probably going to have like two more, frankly. Yeah. We know it's it's three of the four. It's Titanic, Avatar, Avatar. And he's three. probably going to have another one. With the, the, the next, next Avatar, Avatar and the next Avatar and the next Avatar. He will not oh, stop. my gosh. Oh, wait. We have to talk about Dungeons Dragons first before this transition oh, goes sure. on. Oh, yeah. I've seen the trailer that plays before the movies. Oh, yeah. That's I've, all I've seen. They, they released a new one, which is not that one. Finley was saying, oh, it looks okay. I kind of I I might go see it just not because I think it's gonna be good but I feel like I'd be like, hey this is dumb fun. That's, Chris, that's Chris exactly Pine's my opinion. It. Yeah, is that it doesn't look like it's gonna be incredible or like groundbreaking in any yeah. way. It just looks like it's gonna be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's my beef with it. It just looks like it's just your generic like it just doesn't look like any like it's just an IP slapped onto a movie. I think it's also I think I'm kind of interested in how they do the Dungeons and Dragons thing. Will they? As somebody who um, plays Dungeons and Dragons, big D and D guy, over I, here. pretty frequently, um, I will say that like it's pretty. Mu- the thing about that I like about Dungeons and Dragons is that it's just like you can make a story yeah. yourself. I don't, I don't play it because so, I'm like, oh my god, that's the game where I get to play a dragon or yeah. see an owl bear. Like, there's a in the trailer, you're like, oh my god, that's an owl bear. Holy crap! But like, I don't care. I really just don't care. I wouldn't get any of the references, but I'd be interested if there's some meta humor about them. Like, oh, there's you probably. have to roll for a nat 20 to get through this cave or that something. That would be the cringiest thing. I would, so, like, I want to see it. Die. Not because it's funny, but I just want to see wh- how they do it, yeah. mostly. If, if anything, like Chris Pine. Hopefully, they'll be more subtle with it. <laughs> but even then, for me, it would be very cringy. What if they're like, there's a character named Nat or something like, Nat, 
Uh, no. so, you need a twenty dollars or something. Everybody's like, "Oh, it's nat 20. And there's a bunch of doppelgangers, and there's twenty of them. Oh, nat one. Three, yeah, yeah. Oh, one, nat one 20, twenty. Come here. Yeah. Oh, or maybe a little wink at the camera. Just a person named yeah, Nathaniel. I bet Chris Pine's gonna like literally wink at the camera. Like he's gonna like oh do a little God. strum on his little loot and like literally wink at the camera. Absolutely, he will. Excellent. Well, you know. Not saying you guys bad convinced poster. because I still I still Dungeons think the, tra- is bad poster, the trailers look terrible, but I bet they'll meet in a tavern. Speaking oh, of, how how knowledgeable are you of the Dungeons and the Dragons? Uh, Jack's a big Dungeons and Dragons fan. Ah. So all I know about is from Jack because I, I sometimes I get curious and I ask questions. Interesting, yes, yes, indeed. That's interesting. And um, <laughs> look how bad that character looks. What? Let me she see. Looks, she looks incredible. Oh well, my my computer's bugging out. Uh, uh, oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! She just looks like. Look at the Dungeons and Dragons poster. The girl in the top left with like the whack, like like the theater, like high school theater level makeup. It's not even makeup. She just has tuberculosis. Oh my! Oh my goodness! My fault. Stop! My goodness! Oh my god! I used to have a Dungeons and Dragons game on the Xbox as a kid. Oh yeah, she looks terrible. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I, I see it now. Um, she honestly, I'm trying to think of the character that she looks like from another movie. Oh, she looks like um. Like a Saz Ventress from the Clone Wars? <laughs> what, Davis? The director of Dungeons and Dragons is John Francis Daly, who oh played Sweets and Bones. From Bones. What? what? That, uh, I, I'm just so utterly flabbergasted at this moment. I did not expect that. I feel nothing but pain when I see his face after he that um, spo- what? spoiler tragic death. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler. Well, you know, he's... They also uh, directed Game Night, which is supposed to be hilarious. He also... Oh, Game Night is awesome. Both of them, as a duo, directed Game Night, and they're going to direct Dungeons & Dragons together. And he also wrote Horrible Bosses, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, which is a wild movie, Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs, and Spider-Man Homecoming. is good. Yeah, it is. It's fine. Horrible Bosses 2 is is the one that's not so good, because it's just kind of the same thing a second time. But anyway... Speaking of that transition that happened earlier, Avatar, The Way of Water, is now the fourth highest grossing film of all time at over $2 billion, 2.074 to be exact. It could possibly pass Titanic depending on the length of the theatrical run, but it will not sniff Endgame or the original Avatar film, which are up to 2.7 I haven't gone back to the theater yet, billion. so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I might, put, I might buy a really expensive ticket. You, you're going to go back to see... What? <laughs> I'm just going to donate. Seven. I mean... I don't want to see it again. They're like, we're a billion dollars off. Be like, okay, okay. Billion, give me the billion dollar <laughs> guess, ticket. Guess I'll this do it, guys. I just bought the entire Big D theater <laughs> to see Avatar. All right, guys, here's all your money. There, man. It does. It's like, chilly. When we saw, when we saw um, what movie did we go see in theaters? Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. Thank oh you. Yes. Okay. This guy in, a, in AMC. It was so chilly. hot in there. No, it, no. I, the AMC wasn't running. It was a same sauna. Thing, same thing when I watched Puss in Boots. You saw it in the same room I did then. Probably. Like a tiny one, red, red yeah. chairs. Oh, mine was good. I nah, was, man. I was chilling. The armrest wouldn't go down. Literally, it was terrible. It was when awful. I went to see Skinamarink, they had like a they had like a a seat reserved for a veteran or something. There was just what? like a bag over. It. Someone died in that chair. <laughs> It was crazy. Oh my god! I'm gonna go to uh, in a chair. Okay. I thought they had, I thought it was like reserved for Joe Biden or something. I don't know. If like I reserved for the cops or whatever. Like they have like those parking spaces for cops. You know. If I died in this chair right now, would you reserve? I'd put it? a bag on it. Mm, Thank you. No. no, no, I would not. It depends on how you die. Yeah. Okay. Bloody, we, we'd have to put a bag over. If, if you die and your last words are like it's it's a donut, and then that's <laughs> that, then, then maybe for the legendary last words we can. Finley, what you choke on? <laughs> 
It's a donut. No, no, but look closer. There's it's, actually it's a donut. A, it's a glass onion oh. inside of the donut. <laughs> this guy gets it. Yeah. A oh, fractal donut. That's an that engineering joke for you. It's a math joke for you. Oh my god! Wait, say it one more time. A fractal donut. That's that's yep. <laughs> this guy gets it. <laughs> Alex would get that. I don't get nothing. Man. You don't know what a fractal is? No, I don't. You're missing out, man. Um, I, all, all I think about when people talk about math is the mac and cheese bread bowls I had while studying AP Cal, and that was my last experience with math. So mm, you seem really smart. Not <laughs> he thinks so. Anyway, Nielsen has released the top fifteen most streamed series of twenty twenty two. Go ahead and give us a guess at what is number one, guys. House of Dragons. No, streamed. Streamed. Uh, Stranger Things. The that'd be correct, but guess the time, the amount of time. Oh, I already you... heard this earlier. You did fifty three billion. Something like that. That's correct. We're going to go in order real quick. Stranger I heard it Things cheating. at 52 billion minutes. Ozark at 31 what? billion. That's surprising. Why is that still happening? It's apparently well, very, very popular. It also has a couple seasons. So I, I wonder if I it's... I ca- the wine mom's I'm pretty, watching it. It's oh got to be. I'm pretty sure it's accounting for the fact that it has multiple seasons. And that, like, cause Stranger Things season four probably doesn't have 52 billion. But Stranger Things overall mm-hmm. might have that. Wednesday at 19 billion, which is very impressive. Cobra Kai at seventeen billion. Does Bridgerton, I which did is I didn't realize anyone watched Co- Cobra Kai. Sutton watched That's Cobra the, Kai. The beer dads watch that. Mm. Wine moms watch Ozark. <laughs> beer dads watch. The and Cobra then the real Kai. question they're is on either side of their twin bed. <laughs> Who watched? <laughs> they have the TV split in half. One, one, like, it's like split screen multiplayer. They're watching different things. <laughs> real question is who watches Bridgerton at fourteen million Grand, minutes? Wine grandma. <laughs> I'll be honest, I have watched that. Finley and Finley. <laughs> Finley, no. My gra- I think my grandmother was like, I can't wait to see the Bridgerton movie or something. Or I heard some grandmother. I don't know if it was mine. Oh. My grandmother recently watched Breaking Bad, and she texted me. She was like, you got to watch this. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Grandma. Have you wa- not watched it yet? No. You know how I am with TV shows, man. Yeah, pitiful. Anyway, um, number six, Virgin River at fourteen what? million. What? Is fourteen this, billion. Is this a foreign show? I have no idea. Someone look it up for me, please. I'm kind of scared. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! I should never looked it up. Um, it's Netflix. It seems like maybe it just auto plays or something. I don't know. I've never, never once in my life. It's got a seven point four out of ten. Oh, hold up! Who Seeking a fresh people? start, nurse practitioner Melinda Monroe moves to Los Angeles. Moves from Los Angeles to a remote North Carolina, North California town, and is surprised by who she finds. Wow. Sounds like a Finley show. I'm sold. Um, I've se- I've been recommended this show a lot, and I have not watched it. Good. When oh. What was it called? Virgin, Virgin River. River. I almost said yeah. Wind River and I almost said Mystic River. Two <laughs> movies, two, two things Is that, that have... my daughter in there? <laughs> two things that have river in them that are much better. Yeah. I still want to be associated with the Virgin River name. Oh, yes, of course. And then, oh, guys, <laughs> number six. You're, you're denouncing it. I will <laughs> never watch Virgin River. Yeah, noted non-Virgin Finley. <laughs> <laughs> Non-Virgin River viewer, you meant to say. Of oh, course. I'm sorry. I... Noted, noted non-River. <laughs> I slipped, slipped up the tongue. Slip of the tongue. You know you can tongue. never stand in the same river twice. Mm. Did you know that? No, I did not. Oh. Um, if you see anybody online saying that Finley Meyer is a river, get out there. Get on Twitter. Hashtag TTL. Um, Finley is, is a river. Wait, fin- he is Finley's not a river? not a river. He's oh, not, not a river. river. We're not a river. <laughs> Number seven, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story at... 13 billion minutes viewed. Ugh. 
Is Love this- is Blind at thirteen billion as well. Inventing Anna at thirteen billion. The Crown at thirteen billion. The Boys at eleven billion. The most watched superhero show of the year beat out all the Disney Plus shows, probably because they oversaturated the market. The Great British Bake Off at eleven billion minutes viewed. The Umbrella Academy at eleven billion minutes viewed. The The Last Kingdom, a personal favorite show of mine on Netflix at 10 billion minutes viewed. And then The Rings of Power, Amazon's Golden Goose at just 9 billion. Wait, is, is House of Dragons cable? Pro- what, I mean, why is it, on, it is on HBO, yes. Why isn't that on there? Because it's on primarily cable. What? It's on HBO. I thought people were watching it on... Well, I mean, yes, yeah, so the streaming numbers streaming. add to it, but you also still take out the fact that 6 or 7 million people per episode are watching it live. And it's also a different crowd of the non-streaming era, so it's kind of a toes the line. Like, Last of Us will not, because Last of Us is also on HBO. And, like, the general what? populace, the the hoi polloi, they're more, more likely to be like, okay, I'm only going to get two streaming services. Yeah. I'll get Netflix. If you if you, pay, if you pay for DirecTV or Dish, you have HBO, and you just watch House of Dragon that way, or Last kidding. of Us that way. Oh. But instead, like, it, yeah. It's unheard of to me. Really? I just steal everybody else's streaming. <laughs> well, hey, that's coming up. We're, we're going to have to talk about that for next, another episode. Next time. Next time, indeed. And then lastly, guys, the Academy Awards released their nominations for this year. Obviously, there's some to discuss. I don't know if you guys want to like to discuss you got any hot takes from what you saw the nominations. Thinking we got snubbed. We already talked about Nope being yep. snubbed, which is pretty crazy. After Sun got snubbed for Best Picture. Davis's new movie of the month, everybody, After Sun. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to allow you to do that. You should watch it before you cast any judgment upon me. I thought, I thought you were going to say cast aspersions. Nope. It's aspersions anyway. Uh, I did say aspersions. <laughs> you said dispersions. I literally said... Uh, Let the record show you did say dispersions. I literally said cast aspersions. It's funnier that we're... It's funnier to disagree. Cast aspersions. Nope. Mm, okay. I've heard it both ways. Anyway, um, who else do we think got got like kicked on the wayside? Obviously, I think nope. Missed out. I'm really glad that Stephanie Sue got nominated for Everything Ever All at Once. I would have been very, very angry if she did not. A lot not. of people are talking about Babylon getting a lot of snub now that it's on streaming. Because everybody, yeah, because people that didn't go watch it because the marketing was terrible are watching it retroactively. And I was going to go see it in theaters, but then like the de- the second I was going to, they were like, "We got to take it off. No, no more in theaters." It made it made like four dollars. It, it would have not- made like twenty if I had gone. It would <laughs> it would have actually made more money if it was marketed properly, but I don't think it was. I mean. All I know is Michelle Yeoh better win Best Actress, and Stephanie Sue better win Best Supporting Actress. And after that, uh, Kiwi Kwan better also win Best Actor. Like I'm just saying. It's, so who should win Best Actor? Oh, Best Best Supporting Actor. Best Actor, I mean, uh, I've only seen one of these movies, so... Can you, can you read them off real quick? Austin I know Butler, I want. Nope. Colin Farrell, Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser, mm-hmm. Bill Nye, and then Paul Mescal in After Sun? My two favorite are Colin Farrell or Paul Mescal. It's got to be Colin Farrell for me because I have been speaking in an Irish accent and going, um, great to be on the podcast. Like, oh, just over. I just like, plain don't like you, Patrick. Like, <laughs> I've just been adding like at the end of oh, everything so, that I say. Have you seen Banshees of Inisherin? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's why it's he was. A, it's a huge year for Irish people, I must say. <laughs> as, as an Irish. Free Ireland, by the way, so Free, Davis says. Shucky Arla. As the Irish call themselves, as an Irish. I, as an Irish person. <laughs> the, the lineage goes back to the wonderful lands of Inishirin, the wonderful green pastures. The, the, fic- the fictional island the of Inishirin. Obviously. <laughs> That's the joke here. So, but Oh, um, <laughs> glad I'm so astute that I picked up on it's that. It's okay. Um, Paul Mescal got... Paul Mescal, Kerry Conway. 
That's not her name. Yes, it is. It is? Okay. Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keegan, and Brendan Gleeson didn't get nominated, did he? Kerry Condon, yes. Kerry Condon. Condon. And Brandon Gleason did not receive. Brandon Gleason did get nominated. Okay, so a huge year for Irish people. There's mm. so many Irish people nominated. Indeed, there is. Finley, you'd like After Sun, by the way. Um, okay. So, so the Wikipedia uh, article says set in early 2000s. It, it said Finley would like it. No, no, no. The film is set in the early 2000s, and it follows Sophie, an 11 year old Scottish girl, on vacation with her father at a Turkish resort on the eve of his 31st birthday. Mm. It's a lot more to it than that. But you'd like it anyway. Are you yeah, um, because I, you know I love coming. Of, I'm, I'm a big. Uh, sorry, that was a weird. <laughs> okay, sorry. Coming of age oh, stories. I should have finished. Guys, it's fine. You can leave it in, Alex. I, I am I, not a river. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he's not a. I mean, not a river. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say I'm a. I'm a glutton for rum sprinkles. So uh, Ru- what? No, wait, what, what's the? No, no, no. Sorry, that's the uh, Amish thing. Um, <laughs> What? No, I'll get there in a second. St. Patrick's Day. No, no, no. <laughs> My fault. What's the German word for coming-of-age story? Um, Great question. Build, buildings Roman. Thank you. Okay. Ah. I got there. So it's not really a coming-of-age story at all. Oh, for oh the cool. Record. Good. Uh, I just heard nine-year-old, and I was like, okay. Well, so the whole movie. <laughs> 11. <laughs> 11. The movie. That's what I said. Come is on. about. Is this kind of a spoiler? Not I don't really. know, Davis. She's watching back her home footage with on her last vac- vacation with her father. Okay, yeah, I'm when done. she was eleven. That seems and really I good. bawled my eyes out after. Yeah, I was I was sitting there crying, and Grayson walked. Out. I was like, Grayson, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were gonna come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to watch that one either for the podcast or for the funsies. Who knows? And now, without further ado, mm-hmm. we move on to. The mystery film that kind of captivated America for a time. It was at the center of pop culture and its subsequent sequel. That's right, Knives Out and The Glass Onion, which has an unfortunate name. Glass, er, excuse me, Knives Out, which stars Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas in her kind of big breakout role. Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, a who's who of like pre, of like the early I would say early 2000s and 90s era of acting, I would say. Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, Christopher Plummer, Rick, Ricky Lindhorn as Donna Thronby, Eddie Patterson as Fran, Frank Oz as Alan Stevens. Love, just love that appearance. Kay Callen as Juanetta, Great Nana Thromby, Noah Sagan as Trooper Wagner, and then M. Emmett Walsh as Mr. Proof, Mr. Proofrock? Love that. Uh, the Bard, the Bard is letting us know that he likes movies. He likes movies. Thank you, Bard. Always appreciate messages from the official Bard of Baldwin County himself. That Mr. is that, who's Mr. Proofrock in the movie. Uh, um, no, that's the that's the security guy. It's like I got I got all the up to date stuff. Uh, and it's just VHSs. Oh, yeah. The one where yeah, Martha yeah. pockets the yeah exactly, and it's very very subtle and smooth indeed. Joseph Gordon Levitt is apparently on the phone. No, he's on when her sister's watching the show. Oh, she, he's right. Like, who killed this person? That's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't know what he ah, says. Something like that. Okay, he's okay. in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. Re- oh, yeah, because he's in Looper. And he's in Knives Out 2. Or Glass Onion, rather. Yeah, he plays. he's, he's the dong. dong. No. <laughs> so where to go? Awesome. And then the other guy. Whoa, whoa. We're going to get talk about Knives Out, guys. We're going to move on to Glass Onion? I'm just going to give you a little fun fact about Knives Out for you. Oh, yeah. Can I? All right, Am I allow- Will ahead. you allow me such yes, a pleasure? Yes, Davis. Um, Noah Segan, who plays Trooper Wagner, is also in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. Hey, Alex, 
Did you hear me? Yes, I did. He's in all of Ryan Johnson's movies. So who's he in Glass Onion? Uh, I don't know. I know. I know it. Finley knows. Well, well, Finley, well, hey, I'll call on you. Why don't we save that nope. for... Finley. No, I'm too excited. It's Daryl, the, the, the deadbeat oh guy. Oh my god, it is! I was so blown away. when <laughs> I, I didn't even it. put it together. I'm Darryl's... not here, guys. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm so not funny. here. <laughs> I really thought he was... Never mind, we'll get into I that. I thought... Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get certainly, that We'll certainly cover that. The film, Knives Out... Quick. Um, hey, Finley wants to say something? Yeah, How dare you say uh, Ricky Lindhorn? <laughs> Ricky Wait. Lindholm, the... There's no R, Alex. Wait. One oh, ha- my gosh. I, I honestly... That's he my turned bad. the Ricky image to an R in. One half of Garfunkel and Oates, com- comedic duo. <laughs> I'm familiar with Garfunkel and... Are you, are I'm you, not familiar it's with the, It's the less memorable pairings of Hall and Oates and Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, okay. That's it's actually funny. quite funny. She was in Under the Silver Lake. Sorry, Rick, Ricky Lindholm, my mistake. She's very funny as Donna. Donna, she's my rock, and then she immediately drops the glass. Love, love <laughs> that cutaway. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, the film Knives Out was conceived in 2005, and Johnson decided to make the film after completing Looper in 2012. However, he did not write the screenplay until 2017 due to his involvement in Dun Dun Dun, Star Wars The Last Jedi. What do you, pro- mean, what do you mean Dun Dun Dun? Because uh, that movie sucks. The project was officially <gasps> no, announced. No, no, <laughs> you cannot just say that. We, we've hashed this out many a time. Critically panned movie that set the sequel trilogy back. Not critically plan- panned. It is fans panned it. Fan panned. Audience panned. It was my favorite of the three. I agree. So it was doing your something other options, different. Yeah, your other options are a terrible movie in Rise of Skywalker or a mystery box movie in Force Awakens. Um, I'll take, or one that actually took some interesting decisions. I'll take a movie yeah. that, Last Jedi. I'll take a movie that doesn't rely on fake tension, so that'll be... The Force Awakens. We already it's talked like all about this. Movies. Mm, None of no. the movies are real, Alex. <laughs> okay, we Ben Shapiro already... talking no. about Last Jedi. No. no. Actually, I just don't like The Last Jedi because it went woke. That's what you sound like. <laughs> That's not at all what I that sound what like. like. Kids exactly. are Jedi's Davis, now. There's women Jedi. Oh, my God. this out already. Yeah, and we came to an agreement that Last Jedi is not as bad as you think. Um, No, it's not, but it's still not better than The Force Awakens, unfortunately. And I, the I thing is, know, let man. me be clear. If they're all, if they're all deep, if they're two D-plus movies and then... An F. It's fine. Anyway, sorry. We can talk about... Guys, hey, shameless plug. You can, if you feel so inclined, go listen to our Star Wars sequel trilogy episode where we talked about this. And get on Twitter, hashtag TTLPOD. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Tweet, Finley is a river. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I might tweet hey. out hashtag PTLPOD <laughs> right now. I'm going to do a move to North Pikes. Anyway, um, the project was officially announced in 2018 and sold to distributors during the Tor- Toronto International Film Festival. Filming ran from October to December of 2018. Pretty quick filming. That's only about three months. That's pretty impressive. And cinematographer was Steve Yeldon, mu- music by, or edited by Bob Duxie, and music by Nathan Johnson. Music's pretty good. It's pretty different, which I really appreciate. Obviously, a big time September 7th, 2019 premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival before a full U.S. release on November 27th of that same year. It is two hours and ten minutes, which considering the amount of things that happen and the number of characters that introduced, that's pretty cool. And on a solid $40 million budget, which considers mostly the cast, I would say, considering the locations are pretty limited, the film takes in $311.9 million at the global box office, giving it a solid profit, but only leading to the surprise considering the amount of money Netflix paid for the film. Now, how much money do we think do we think Netflix paid? Do you have the number in head, in in mind? Ten million. I've got it in my head. Hundred million. Really? What? What you got? 
Oh, I, I was going to wait for you. Uh, five hundred million. Four hundred and sixty-nine million dollars. Why did I say ten? For the rights to two sequels, written what direct, written and directed by Johnson with Craig Daniel Craig reprising the role. The first film, Glass Onion. <laughs> Some guy named Craig. <laughs> hey, Craig. Since Glass Onion, which was then retroactively called Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, was released in two thousand and twenty-two, we'll certainly talk about that and the title, among many other things. Now, awards and recognitions at the seventy-seventh Golden Globes, Knives Out received three nominations, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Actor for Daniel Craig, and Best Actress for Anna De Armas. And then all of this, while also receiving a Best Original Screenplay nomination at the seventy-third British Academy Film Awards, known as the BAFTAs, mm-hmm. and then. A best, I believe it was, original screenplay at the 92nd Academy Awards. That was a nomination. It was named to the top 10 films of 2019 by the National Board of Review and the American Film Institute, also known as AFI. So now that, guys, let's talk about it. I mean, this movie, it was kind of just in a world of big blockbusters released in November that were Marvel-related or Stars-related. It was a breath of fresh air. I at least remember watching it and going to theaters to see it. It's got to be my favorite movie in November. Really? Yeah. Yes. I ever mean, a, any movie ever released in November? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, mm. that's probably actually true. Let me look into this because I it is one of my probably top five movies. I mean, it is. I have a lot of positive things to say about it as well. Let's see, best movies ever released in November: Dune. Ooh, oh man, that one hasn't come out yet. What? What about the original Dune? What? Which Dune? The, the first Dune. What? Like, the one that came out last year. So when you say the first Dune. 2021, <laughs> If Davis. you recall, David Lynch did direct one. Ooh, I don't know if I could say it's my favorite because Harry Potter, Deathly Dallas Part 2 did release in November, and I love that movie. But Skyfall released in November. The Incredibles released in November. Critically acclaimed, oh my gosh, Monsters, Inc. released in November. How the Grinch Stole Christmas and then How the Grinch Stole Christmas again, both released in November. What? I th- we can we can we can leave it as Knives we, Out. We can leave I'm, it that. I stand by that. Yeah. So Knives Out, kind of picking up where Who Done It films had left off. They'd kind of fallen away because there's only so many ways you can do a kind of Who Done It murder mystery. And we saw this in my class. We've actually been studying the misdirect genre because, like Usual Suspects, it often relied on some murderer pretending to be some weak link that then became the murderer. As seen in Usual Suspects. But Knives Out completely takes it on its head, or turns it on its head. I really like this movie. I mean, I think we all have nothing but nice things to say about it, I would imagine. Who wants Who wants to begin, Finley Shall You, as the guest? Yeah. The honored guest. I've got a mean thing to say. Oh, oh, really? Alex, I don't like your haircut today. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, 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 but about the movie, um, wow. I've, I've nothing but compliments. I, um, I really, really like it. Um, I think that... I, I I really like mysteries, and then but this movie kind of skirts around some of the problems that I usually have with mysteries, which are like the first three quarters of it can usually feel directionless, where it's just like you go around find a clue, go around find a clue. Oh no, I don't know where the clues are. I'll get to the bottom of this case. But like this by having a misdirect, like pretty like a little bit before halfway through the movie's done, you kind of forget that it's a mystery. And then you're just in on this like thriller more than you are like because also when I'm usually when I'm in a mystery I'm just like pretending I'm uh, Benoit Blanc and mm. I'm like okay I gotta solve it and I'm not even really caring about the plot as much as I am just like I'm gonna figure it out before they do and then but this you kind of forget now that you don't think it's a mystery anymore you think it's just can uh, Marta get away with it you're like this is cool and then once they actually 
bring it back to, oh, it actually was a murder mystery this whole time, you're like, oh my god, I'm blown away, this is crazy. It really is probably the perfect way, I mean, that sums it up as well as anything, because it does, I remember going to it, I was like, oh man, it's going to be a mystery, it's got Daniel Craig, what a cast, and then it opens, and we learn that Marta kills him, I say in quotes, and I was just, I was blown away at that moment, because I was like, okay, what? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, and I was like, there's there's absolutely, I saw her do it. I saw him slit his throat. There's no bones about it. This is how it happened. Yeah, there's there's no, there's no well, she left the room. There's no anything about any of it. And it, it does that so well. And my favorite thing to this day about this movie, on top of the cast, because they're all so brilliant. Tony Collette is hilarious. My favorite quote from this movie might be the, I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you, which is so, like, this era so true specifically it's so funny is the fact that it doesn't hide away the fact that everybody's terrible like when they lie to benoit it cuts to the, the truth so you know they're lying it's not just oh i don't trust them because they act like idiots yeah you know they are you know that they're all terrible and i like that they're they're not really caricatures of uh, like they're they're obviously have their own thing like of course ron johnson's character or don johnson's character at the end with the money walking up to the police is still one of my favorite like additional shots because it's just so stupid and ridiculous and fits him but they're all interestingly like they're all terrible in their own way like even for example when his character is telling like Marta to talk about immigration. Jamie Lee Curtis' character, as horrible as she is, is like, don't bring her into this because she knows that that's stupid. Like, they're not all the same level of just ignorantly annoying, egotistical people. Yeah. They all have their own angle to take, which makes the film very enjoyable and makes that every scene doesn't, no, no scene feels boring. Except one, my one negative critique of this entire movie. Say something mean, go for it. Is the, when, Benoit Blanc is questioning Marta about his theories like on his Walter did Walter get cut out is is what's his name gosh what is what is Ron Johnson's character's name I literally read it Don off. Don Johnson sorry <laughs> Richard Rich that's why I was getting confused Richard Drysdale is like is Richard having an affair and it just cuts to Marta and Harlan sitting there and then he just goes oh this thing that upsets me she's like what's wrong and then he says look and then that's the end of the scene. Like, I don't know why they needed to show us that other than just she could have said yes. Uh, my opinion on that is I'm um, – I have a problem where I'm just an apologist for everyone and I'll just be like, no, there was no mistake. It was always intentional. Anyway, um, the I, I think that it might have been because, like, as an audience, this is something that's different from Glass Onion, which is maybe one of the reasons I didn't like it as much as Knives Out is mm. that mm. Um, I'm not saying I, I really he hates it. I despise Glass Two out of ten. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> is that like the movie is largely from Anna de Armas's or Marta's view. So then by doing that, we all, we can see like everything that's happening from, I think it was probably a little clumsy the way it played out, uh, Alex, but, um, but like, we're we're seeing the point of view of someone that's inside the family, but not really like inside the. Family. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I I don't know. It, just, it always felt very clumsy. Even the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, like the, like I get it. I understand it, especially with everyone lying. You want to you want to clear Marta's alibi pretty quickly, and that's or not clear it, but you know you want to make sure. Okay, she's honest and she's not making it up because the film doesn't deceive you with fake scenes. The only one it does is when they're telling that story about how much their dad means and everybody's at the... Oh, that's great. That's I awesome. That. I love that. I really do. Yeah. 
And it's whoever's telling the story is the one who's uh, like next to him as he's blowing out the. His Absolutely, I love that. I think it's it's part. It's a perfect representation of how they all feel because they're all egomaniacs in their own specific way. I think it's just a really airtight movie because it just does a lot of good. And when it even when the plot slows down, the dialogue is really strong between every single scene. And again, it pays to have a very talented cast. Like this is not say. A film of who's who's of celebrities. It's just all really great actors from top to bottom. Even even the two the two younger actors being Catherine Langford and what is the kid's name again? Oh, Jaden Martell. Jaden Martell. Like they're both really good. Catherine Langford has been really good in a lot of stuff she's been in. As critic as critical as people are of Thirteen Reasons Why, she's still the only real good part of that show. Recently found out she was Australian. Oh yeah, she is. Yeah, and I mean, the, like the fact yeah, that the cast is that strong and that just. Top to bottom, if Frank Oz shows up. Frank Oz also the voice of Yoda, and like all the Muppets, all the Muppets indeed. And he's he's great. It's just it's really an airtight film, Davis. And yeah. yeah. Oh, I got it. You were talking about all these actors, and the craziest thing to me is they have just Lakeith Stanfield in like the most minor role there, and, and he, he says great maybe too. like three lines. And Lakeith Stanfield's awesome. I love Lakeith Stanfield he's so great. much. Of of. For a brief time, Get Out fame, and then of really big Atlanta fame, as well as many other great And films. Sorry to Bother You, yes. and he was in like Messiah. Indeed. And he was in SZA's music video for what, Hate You, I think the song was. But he's great. Yeah, of and course. It, and it, it, was such, it was such a pleasant surprise to see him in that film. This was, of course, towards the beginning of his career in part. So obviously... He was in, Get Out, he was in Death Note. Don't forget it. Oh, God <laughs> almighty. Who was he in? He was L. I don't know anything about... I, I just know Willem Dafoe was the, the the monster guy. I don't know anything about Death Note. I also think that. Do you I know think, anything? No. Okay. Well, I was I was looking to you to I, be like, so L. Do I look like I watch anime? Or, no, or I just, I just I know, well the thing is I knew Alex hadn't. I, yeah, I was like maybe I, I Finley did. I definitely, yeah. I definitely have not. I'll Alex, admit, I'll it, it took Alex almost a um a, a year. I had to twist his arm to get him to watch Evangelion, and I still didn't like it. Anyway, um. Ah! Are we still doing that episode? Uh, I don't think we have no! it in the schedule. It's okay. I have to rewatch it. Yeah, it's a it's a lot to, it's a lot to cover. Maybe we will in in the near future. I think what really aids this film above all else, and it's why I don't like Glass Onion as much. Reason number one. <sighs> oh my god, is that this film is pretty much timeless. Like it's it's very self contained. The the three jokes that go like the three jokes that go outside of it are obviously the banter between Catherine Langfield's character, Langford's character and Jade Martell's character, which is like a two or three jokes that are still just funny anyway, because the del- I think the delivery itself is funny. And but, uh, it's sad to say, but neo-Nazism will probably go on for a while. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, it's not like a, Oh, this is in the bathroom. This is, it, <laughs> it's not like this was a 2018 time capsule film that has a bunch of jokes from an era that will since fall away or whatever and again the rest of it doesn't rely on that it's just it's your classic story of a family of egomaniacs trying to wanting their father's money and being usurped like that is a story as old as time i mean like don't think about it. like that that's not exactly uncommon family strife after the will is red. Like that's not. I was not shaking my head. I was doing like a. Mm, I no, I know. Da- I, Davis was looking, looking up in the air, in the airways, yeah. trying to think about it. So I think that really aids it because it doesn't feel dated, and it still doesn't. Partly because again, the jokes that they made about neo Nazism is not exactly going to go away, obviously. And again, like it's it's on ideas that are present enough. Um, 
Oh, apparently David, David Lynch is here. No it's way. It's Friday, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, oh my he is God. here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hello, it's me, David Lynch. I'm in the Fablemans. It's Friday, baby. <laughs> I love David Lynch. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you David. the official bard, for announcing that, the, that David <laughs> Lynch is here. That, that's David Lynch, all That right. is David Lynch. That's crazy. Wow. Wait, should we get bard in here so we can hear my impression? Um. Y- yes, wave him in. 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 He can't see. Wave in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Can he see? Yeah, he's coming. All right, all right I guess I gotta use his microphone on in case he wants to talk. Um, get ready. To- <coughs> A glass onion. Today's magic number. That's what I was saying. <laughs> it's Friday, baby. Friday. Today's magic number is two. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta get a picture of this. Of the, of the- David Lynch is here. Yeah, Just you get- post that with the hashtag. T-T-L-5. I used to have a friend. He's so funny, David Lynch is just so funny. It's fr- have you ever heard the It's Friday, baby? It's have you ever- Friday. He has the story about um Um uh he had like these two dolls, like these two like stuffed animals, and he's like <laughs> and like he's like, Yeah, I used to I used to quite like these these stuffed animals and then, like do you still have him? He's like, I had a falling out I with them or something. It was like, <sighs> he's just so silly. Excellent. You you the mic the mic, mic is, is on, on Bard. Bard. Thank you for joining. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the show. We're just talking about Knives Out right now. I'm not oh, a big fan of Knives Out. I've seen the first one. I ain't seen the second one. Well, excellent. We're, we're still on the first one. We're still on the first one for now. Like you want to give some? Is it really impromptu guest guest? It is. Star. It's a well, crazy. David episode. Lynch just he came into the Jackson, studio. Jackson, had to, Jackson, official bar of Baldwin County Chambers. Meet yes. Finley Meyer. Yes, Finley. Finley Meyer. Nice to meet you. We have Finley Benoit Meyer. Blanc in here too. <laughs> Benoit Blanc was here. Benoit Blanc. Glass onion. It's a donut inside of a smaller donut. And David Lynch is here too. They're chatting up in the corner. Star-studded episode. It really is. It's so funny. <laughs> but anyway. <It's> fri- <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get a, an evil email from Josie about how this bit made no sense and we don't if move she on. Just knew who, if she just watched his Friday updates, she would get it. Yeah. Do you guys follow the, tw- the Twitter account that's just nothing but the... Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I see him. He's so, so funny. I like that. So and also funny. the Daniel Craig, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Once every, every... I'm a big fan. There's one that I follow and retweet every week, which might not happen anymore. Oh, no. I don't know if you saw. Twitter API, they're making you pay to access it. So a lot of bots are going offline. What? Mm-hmm. <gasps> but, so the bot, bots being like people that just have the automated... Yeah. Okay, yeah, There's yeah. one that every Friday, um, it's like from some weird uh, like Chinese B-movie. Um, and there's a guy... And he wakes up out of like a hospital bed, and there's a surgeon that sharpens two knives. Um, and he goes, Today is Friday in California. And then a guy goes, Shoot! And then a cop shoots a big gun. <laughs> I, I, I feel that I must admit to our listeners and to the people in the studio that when you said a Chinese B movie, I thought a version of the B movie <laughs> that was made in China. <laughs> I also did. Yeah. I was like, Oh, wow. I'm Incredible. Jerry Seinfeld. Incredible. <laughs> I found the David Lynch thing about the Woody Woodpecker dolls. Let, let, give me a second. Give me a second. I'll get the quote. We are going off the rails here already. It's, it's okay. It's okay. We've been gone for three days. Y'all talk about Knives Out a little bit, and I'll just interject real quick with the Woody Woodpecker story. Obviously, uh, Knives Out, I mean, it. I just love the ending because like, when, when he goes to stab Marta, I was like, oh, she's dead. She's dead. That, twi- that extra twist at the very end, I just love how it – 
it builds a twist out of what seems to like not be a mystery, like you said at the beginning, Finley. Like the fact that they throw what happened in front of you to then deceive you later on, because in reality, something else is going on. It's just so hard to tell. And I also really like the fact that at the end they kind of reconcile because the part of the bit is that Benoit's an idiot, but at the very end he's like, "I saw the blood in your shoe and knew you were involved the moment I met you." And it's like, okay. That's pretty like I like I always like when he's just like no I'm actually a genius and I knew everything that was going on before I you. I looked at your foot. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> this is what it sounds like. Yes, yeah. indeed. And I love that when you watch the scene again, you can just right when he meets Marta, he like quickly glances down, looks up, absolutely no change in his face. Excellent. Daniel Craig's so good. I also do absolutely love how it kind of gives him this sort of side plot with Great Nana Thromby where he's like, I can tell you, you have something to say, and it's okay. I'll wait. And he just sits there, and then, and, then, and then later on he's like, oh, yeah, Great Nana told me everything. And it's like, what? <laughs> she, has said this, she has said ransom. Are you back already? Ransom. Four times. Yo, would you like to hear the You're David Lynch story real quick? Do you, you want to hold David while you talk? One more thing. One more yeah, thing. I'll hold him. One more thing beforehand. I also love the fact that it's like, Nana, do you want some food? And he's like, she ate this entire salmon platter already. <laughs> like, what? I love the entire just background bit about Great Nana. It's like, oh, it's Harlan's mom. How old is she? We have no idea. <laughs> there's something about a non-speaking character or just like a, a – There's something about – I think they did that in uh, in Hateful Eight as well. I think there's like an old man – it's been a minute since I've seen I've both of these I have not seen movies. that whole movie in a long Good. time. I watched it recently. Tarantino, man. He knows what he's doing. Anyway, Davis, I'm sure you want to get this oh, David Lynch stuff out of here before we continue our so knives out. He lived – here's a photo for Finley if you'd like to see. Since you're right beside me, he lived with five Woody Woodpecker dolls, yeah. and he said, "I'll try my best to do a David Lynch for all of it." He said he was driving by gas station. He said, "I break the car. <laughs> I break the car dry. I turned around and life saving. I named them Chucko, Buster, Pete, Bob, and Dan, and were my assistants. And I had in my office. <laughs> they were my dearest friends during a time, but then they began to develop certain traits and cease to be friendly. No longer part of my life." They know that there is much suffering in the world, and it took many years of small metal hanging hooks on Sunset Boulevard. I can't do it anymore. But they tell me at the bottom, I can't do it. But, but they tell me at the bottom of all, there's a constant happiness, and the more time I spend with them, I think it more. The funniest thing is they all developed certain traits. It's certain traits. Oh, I it's wonder like, what the traits it's are. Like, it's like the SpongeBob episode when he has the penny, the, 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 the used napkin, and the potato chip, and he's Thank like, you. oh my gosh. I've received David Take back it away, on the side penny. of the desk again. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. So any other thoughts we want to share on Knives Out before we move on to Glass Onion? Because I imagine that might be more thought-provoking because we run into this issue a lot. When a movie is as perfect yeah, as Knives Out, re- it's, super it's really strong. It's That's really good. funny. Everybody's good in oh, it. Finley? I've actually got another thought. Oh, oh go oh, ahead, Finley. Oh, oh. Take it. He has another. I've got Take another, it away, I've got another thought. It. Hashtag TTLPOD to tell us your final thoughts. Everybody do the another thought dance. You can hear it if you listen yeah, closely. Yeah. <laughs> the jangling of... Yeah. Um, I... <clears throat> Something that another thing that <laughs> I don't want you to Sorry, I'm about to take my spot with the way he and Davis are cutting up over there. We, we got some good banter. You might you might be out of a job, Buster. Come on, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ! David Lynch is going to take my spot. Obviously, Friday, I love man. movies. <laughs> anyway, um, another thing with mysteries that sometimes is lacking is like it's hard to have like a message or a theme that goes along with it. But like, like when you get like down to it knives out is pretty simple the whole thing with marta the only reason that she's able to solve it 
is because she's a good person. And then you see that throughout the movie is that like she, the whole, uh, you didn't, you never played their game sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get him in just for those sound bites. It's <laughs> a donut. Oh, wait, no, David, that's not your line. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sits in the corner. He's actually really shy. Um, oh my goodness. That, that's a real, that's a really good point. I do appreciate that. I also love the final shot when it's my house, my rules, my coffee as she does take the house. I love just, so much of the dialogue is very creative. Like, I wrote this one down. Physical evidence can tell a clear story with a forked tongue or whatever. That's just Ooh. awesome. I thought Ooh. you came up with that. I was about to give you some props on nah, that. Nah, man. That, that's like, that's wow, a Ryan Alex, Johnson That's original. quite poetic. I, I, re- I really just love how creative it goes with Blanc. Because Blanc is already a caricature with his accent that is hilarious. But they don't just make him say weird things. They make him say things that have a purpose. And again, it's the fact that he is a genius. Like, I love that he's not in – he's not – they kind of flip the 50s, 60s era dorky detective assault like Abbott and Costello would be an example that we were talking about earlier today, I guess. They're not detectives. They're I mean, just silly dudes. Just silly yeah, but they're, aren't, aren't they like, you know, archaeologists or whatever? They're whatever in, in the one movie, movie. Wait, really? about to say, Oh, yeah, I was yeah. thinking about the mummy movie. My mistake. Yeah. Anyway. They like, play baseball and stuff. They're who's on first. That's, they're they're yeah. that one. Really? That's Abbott mm-hmm. and Costello. Oh, you're thinking of Columbo, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> with Peter Falk. Yep. I guess. I don't yes. know. Columbo, what are we going to do? And then there's something more. about his wife or something. I, I don't know. I don't I, know. He has I, a dog. I have no I no He's earthly really, idea. Isn't he like really jittery? Yeah. Oh, Columbus. He's I got a funny no little eye. earthly idea. When Benoit about. Blanc was listening to the music in the car, I think that was really funny. I think they missed a bit where he didn't try to drink the barf cup, did he? No. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> I... I, I have to say on record, I disagree. I think, I think, I think it's funny Imagine, enough like, that... he goes for it, she's like... No, don't do it. I think it's funny enough that it's in there, and we're supposed to assume that there's like he doesn't smell the fact that there is barf just, just sitting cute. in a cup, and there's just like he's just sitting there singing along and everything. So I also really so love the like super dramatic pause when when um they're like attacking um Benoit and Jamie Lee Curtis character's like this is still our house, and then everybody just goes immediately silent they're like oh, is it. Uh-oh. And then he's like, "Oh, actually, um, the house is also Marta's." What, what is the bit with the with Frank Oz other than just because it was funny? Like, I felt like I was missing a joke here. Maybe he, where he had just some dirt or something. Like, because like he's like, "Oh, Frank uh, Oz." Yeah, no, because he reads the will. The he's guy that the, reads he's off the, the will. Attorney. Yeah, yeah, Muppets. Yeah, Kermit comes out Muppets too, alone. and also Yoda. Um, it was just he wants to go home, and they keep asking. No, him no, about. no. When he when he like is like, oh, it should be quite quick, and he's like, oh, um, and then his assistant has to point what to read on the piece of paper. I didn't. I still don't get it. It's funny. He's I think tired. It's, I think it's just he's like easy. sometimes you just add like like just, there's just like oh yeah he's throwing a baseball or something. There's yeah. just like random. They ad libbed the bit. Honestly, yeah. I believe that. Also, a uh, fun little detail. Um, earlier in, at the very beginning of the film, when it opens up with. After the funeral, everyone comes home, and you see Jamie Lee Curtis's character, whose name, I, Linda, Linda Thromby. She's reading all of her previous notes. They all have burn marks from using yeah. a lighter, which is a nice lean into later on. When, of course, the note that reveals her husband is cheating on her is in that note with the she has to use the lighter, which is really cool, by the way. I, I like I like that detail and everything else. Lemon juice. Yes, that That's too. True. Obviously, mm. uh, according according to Nick Cage and National Treasure. Um. Also, I guess I think a real a real hidden gem in this is also Christopher Plummer because he has such a small role, but he's so good, he's so fun. His like, his painting smiles at the end, which is kind of yes, supernatural aspect of the movie. But hey, who cares, man? It's cool. He was a ghost the whole. Why don't time we was. Why don't we go ahead and rate this one? Because oh, one last thing: um, <laughs> all of his family getting the, getting her 
um, origin wrong is hysterical. Mm-hmm. Femme was, good girl. Femme from Paraguay. That is funny. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a Brazilian nurse, really? Like, Does it mention just... where she's actually from? No, I think that's part of the ambiguity of it, which is nice. Why don't we give Knives Out a rating before you had to move on to Glass Onion? Um, a nine. I give it a 9.5. I've never rated anything on this On podcast. a 10 scale. Yeah. Oh, oh, on a 10? No, it's actually on a 100 scale. Yeah. yeah, I'll give it a, probably 9 out of 100. There you go. <laughs> so funny, Finley. What you actually? 9 out of 10? I don't know. Um, it. He thinks it's an antiquated system. I mm. think it's... Um, I'm going to give it a, a resounding thumbs up. Is oh, a thumb, the thumbs up returns to Through the Boo. Lens. It's either 10 out of 10, with a, which is a thumbs up, or a 0 out of 10, which is a thumbs up. Jack down. would love you. I know you never met Jack. You don't even know who Jack is, but he's a friend of mine and Alex's. And he comes on, he's came on the show a few times, and on, his rating system for every movie is thumbs up or thumbs down. He's probably our most frequent guest. He will not rate it out of 10. <laughs> Like no love for, like, thumb at a 45 or, like, thumb at a... <laughs> it's no, no, just, no, no, no. Boom, is, it's binary, it's one just, or zero. Uh, yeah, okay. And All the right. angle just... And that's that's just um, a zero to ten with extra steps. Mm. And, the, and then, Bard, that's you fair. give it a... Do you go on the thumb scale or do you give it a number scale? I'll give it, I'll give it a 9.69. Oh, my... Wow. Oh my! Uh, and with that, uh, I'm going to take David out and tour him with the rest of the studio because I have not seen Glass Onion and I don't want it to get spoiled for me. That's so. perfectly fair. David we Lynch thank you for it. stepping Lynch, in. We also uh, thank if you for bringing say, David if Lynch. You want to say bye? Goodbye, movies. <laughs> it's Friday, baby. <laughs> it's Friday tomorrow. Well, technically, when people be, when this episode posts, it will be Friday. It's Friday today, <laughs> baby. I wonder how the weather is today. The weather. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, As always, Goodbye, David. Great Goodbye, to have Bella. David and Goodbye. the Bard on to the show. And with that, everybody, we move on to the Glass Onion. Mm. That's one of them compelling I found about the metaphor. Never mind, I'm just going to stop. Would you onion. eat a glass onion? Oh. Think about that. No. I wouldn't eat a regular onion. Could like we, an could apple. We, could we take, <laughs> just take a chomp out of it. Could we take a one minute pause so I can go get some water because I'm dying? Fine. Mm, I guess so. You better be a minute, man. Are we still recording? It's just recording, so is we can gonna just keep talking. Out? Okay. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, you can keep going, I guess. Let's, yeah. let's speed run all of our thoughts on Glass Onion. <laughs> no, no. We can talk about Alex while he's gone. Oh, my God. Bye, Alex. What can we Bye. talk about? <laughs> I cannot believe he wore that today. <laughs> Did you, have you ever seen his Popeye shirt? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He walked in w- into that office, and he was wearing that shirt, and I, me and Jackson, who was here a second ago, like, we're crying laughing at it. <laughs> it was the most absurd shirt I've ever seen him wear. He's an eccentric fella. Alex Alex left. Hey, Bard. Okay. Uh, Alex going to have a fun time. Just Hey, Logan. We're just, we're just chilling in here alone. Yeah. We could, we could have a secret message for Alex. He's not actually going to listen to this. Mm. He is. I could start cursing. <laughs> oh. That'd be crazy. Well, he would he would just cut it out, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what if he leaves all of this in? That'd be crazy. He just he just trusts us so much. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, hey guys, how y'all doing? Oh wait, what's something crazy we could say so he listens to it? Because I have a way I know he would listen. Um, catamaran. I don't know. Say something crazy. Uh, 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 I'm nuts. I'm whoa. No, no. I'm absolutely insane. I don't know why I turned into a ghost. You, th- <laughs> you think if we showed Alex a fractal, think about it like this. Mm. We woke Alex up.
from mid-sleep and we put a, like, a fractal right in front of his eyes right yeah. when he woke up. Mm-hmm. He'd probably think he's in some sort of matrix. Do you think he'd freak out? Yeah. Well, he's he gets scared when he looks at math things. So That's true. I wouldn't, I, I was going to say recursion with the, the whole donut inside of a donut thing. He wouldn't um, be able to handle that. No, he would absolutely. He would start crying. <laughs> That's yeah. true. He'd ruin all the equipment. It would be bad. I, thought was, I really thought you were about to hit me with that. Mm. When he starts crying, uh, Alex is a revered. Everybody get on Twitter. Hashtag TTLPOD. All right, Alex, I'm going to do the clap so you know. You ready? That was exactly a 108. And with that, I'm back. Um, Welcome back. back, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much. Go Glass Onion, starring once again Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, Edward Norton as Miles Braun, Janelle Monet as Helen and Andy Brand. Spoiler alert. Catherine <laughs> oh Hahn. Is it Catherine Hahn or Catherine Hain? Hahn. Catherine Hahn is Claire DeBella. <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. as Lionel Toussaint. Kate Hudson as Birdie J, Dave Batista as Duke Cody, Jessica Henwick as Peg, Madeline Klein as Whiskey, Noah Segan as Daryl, there we go, Jackie Hoffman as Ma, Duke's mother, and Dallas Roberts as Devin DeBella, Claire's husband. Additionally, Ethan Hawke appears briefly as Ma's assistant, credited, credited as Efficient Man. Hugh Grant came here as Philip Blanc's domestic partner. Um, excuse me, they're married, so let's let's have put some respect on that. Anyway, and mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, they were just really good Miles friends. Clock, the hourly dong. Gordon-Levitt yep. had a vocal cameo, and of course, the previous film, like we discussed, several celebrities made cameo appearances as themselves throughout like the Among Us thing and CNN and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, produced by oh. Ram Bergman and you Ryan didn't even Johnson. Name any of the celebrities? Yeah. What? Okay, fine. Well, we know that Natasha Steven, Leon's going to die. Stephen Sondheim. Angela Lansbury, Natasha Leone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Yo-Yo Ma, Jake Tapper, and Serena Williams. Where was Sanam- Jake Tapper? Jake Tapper was on was covering the CNN thing about the she he was interviewing the mayor, no the governor at the very Catherine beginning. Hahn. Catherine right, Hahn, yes, right, Catherine Hahn's character. Right, right, right. Sondheim and Lansbury both died before Glass Onion was released, and the film is dedicated to both of them. Jared Leto and Jimmy Renner's likeness appear on bottles of kombucha and hot sauce, respectively. <laughs> what incredible method act might Jared Leto just turn into kombucha? Is that incredible, guys? I'm not going to laugh at that. Oh, come on. It was kind of funny. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Can't do it. Guys, okay. If all the bits are done by you, then I kind of get outshined. Anyway, I'm kidding. Um, That's the point. Yeah. yeah we, this is a we're the searching. funny people here. Cinematography by Stevie Yeldon, edited by Bob Duxay, and musical once again by Nathan Johnson. One of the strangest looking release patterns in recent memory. The film premiered on September 10th at the Toronto International Film Festival once again, before getting a limited release in the U.S. on November 23rd, only staying in theaters for one week. Then, finally, a full month later, the film hit Netflix on December 23rd. On another modest $40 million budget, the film crushed at the box office with $15 million in its opening and only week. Now, that is it only in roughly 600 theaters in the largest markets across the U.S., as well as in other international markets, marking the first time Netflix distributed a film in theater, just shown in theaters, and it will be shown at all three major theater chains. Netflix would allow the films to, at that point, Netflix would allow the films to be shown again, but apparently that hasn't really happened. One Oscar nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay, which once again raises the interesting question, are sequels adapted screenplays? I don't think so. It's interesting, isn't it? I would say no. Well, it appears that it, according to the Oscar categories, it is. I mean, now, they're always It's right. up in the air. Is it even a sequel, really? Mm. Is it yeah, it's, sequel? it's almost a standalone film that has one continuing character. And yeah. his, his, what happens in Knives Out, the original film, is not even mentioned in Completely this. different tone, completely different look. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also, it's much worse. The vibes are different. Whoa! I wouldn't say much worse. Yeah, I don't like this movie. Oh. I, I, re- I, really, I really do not enjoy Strong. it, to be quite Strong honest Strong opinion from Alex. Um, I hate to say it. I think it... I think you love to say it. I think it takes all the lessons from Knives Out and just like does the opposite. 
Okay. Would you like to expand Elaborate. upon yeah. this? Yeah. So <laughs> knives where knives out is timeless. Everything about this film is rooted in jokes from recent memory. Timeful, yeah. Like that, no, it, like it, it's not, it's a movie that's going to age very poorly joke wise at some point. The jokes still hold true because they're obviously playing these characters, but still. Number two, all the characters are caricatures versus actual characters that have a specific personality trait. They're all stupid and ridiculous and terrible and. Not, like the only one that even seems like a real person is probably Lionel, and maybe Catherine Hahn's character. But like Birdie J is not a real character, and then I don't think Duke is even cl- like Duke is a caricature completely. He gets out of the pool and fires the gun off in the air for no. Like I get it's funny, but again, they're they're all complete caricatures of obviously other jokes and tropes in society. And then I think it handles the mystery incredibly poorly. Incredibly poorly. I think Sorry. we're not really we're, hyperbolic. So yeah. no, no, I think it is. I think it, it is very poorly handled. I give the film still three stars out of five on Letterboxd, strictly because I think the cast is very brilliant. I think the comedy still lands, and I think that it's still very creative in terms of detail. The direction and shots are all great. The music is great, and again, the performances are really what carries it. But I just think that we're okay. So c- compare the two films to, for for me for a moment. So mm. Knives Out when. When we learn, when all of the family members tell Benoit the detectives this, we immediately learn that they are lying. The film is like, you're going to know that they're lying. Where this film, the entire mystery hinges on just not showing you the ends of scenes. Like, it cuts before something happens, and it cuts before another thing happens, and it cuts before... The only thing that it gets credit for is it does very clearly show Edward Norton grab Duke's gun the first time around. That's the only thing that I really... It also and, shows and, show, and shows that, which is cool, and I like that. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly what you said, yep, yep. Davis. I, I, sorry. Yeah. And shows um, shows Miles giving Duke the drink, if that's what, you, that's what you're going to say, Davis. Yes. But, like, a lot of it is just cut away here, cut away there, conveniently cut away... Like, for example, when, when, he, re, when he reunites with, he, with, with Helen, who is still Andy, the first time around, it just cuts the scene in the middle. And then the second time we see it, it gives us the full scene. Like, it just cuts it for no re- – other than to – okay, so. It's, Knives it's, Out deceives the characters in the film. Glass Onion deceives the audience. And I don't, I don't, I don't like movies or mysteries that do that because it just feels cheap. Because that's why I think Knives Out is so creative because it spends its time deceiving the, uh, the characters while the audience knows in part. But in this, the whole shtick is just making sure we don't know what's happening. That's what I was alluding to before with the, like, because we, we the audience, are seeing through Marta's lens. Whereas this, we're... Um, just viewing it? Benoit Blanc is the main character. Sort of. Which I'm not a huge fan of. I, I think that's, that also that's, is another lesson failed. Yeah. Um, but, like, I can see... Okay. I What I think is that the form of the movie was, in in both cases, supposed to be indicative of like the overall meeting meaning so like the first one we we see everything through marta's eyes we see like even though all of the we expect she's in a like situation where she's trying to get away with murder she still does the right thing and that's part of what the overall meaning is whereas this the it's i don't think it's um obfuscation for obfuscation's sake i think big word oh thank you um there's what are you doing over there man He's, type in. he's looking at a thesaurus for me. Yeah. Oh. Um, Am I allowed to? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm contributing. I'm just wondering if this was the Davis Carroll uh, does his homework bingo card moment. <laughs> it's not. I know it's kidding. Sorry, Finley. Continue. Um, so rude you, could, you could – I think the intent of it is to have the, the 
continuing the metaphor of the glass onion within the structure of the film itself, wherein you like peel back a layer and then there's more there, you peel back a layer and there's more there, but really it was all there in the first place. Um, that being said, I agree with you. I didn't like, you can, you can appreciate the form of it without being like, and that in the moment it made me feel good, but I don't know. Um, I, I just didn't like it. And okay. So I, have you seen it twice? I've seen it twice. Okay, because on my second watch, I really didn't enjoy it. Like, the first time, I liked it a lot. And the second time, I did Like, because it just... When it breaks down to it, like, it just starts to get really weird. Like, I get that Miles is an idiot, and that's, like, a caveat for a lot of things. But what the heck was his plan when the person he killed just showed up again? Like, the, the he was going to, what, kill Duke and then kill her a second time, but the story was still going to get out. And, yeah, I mean, you could still bribe all your friends that they know the truth anyway. Because that they they show they will do that, but it's just I don't know. It just doesn't. I, he's I, just stupid. That's like the whole thing. Fair. Okay. Like that, he's an idiot. That's fair. Because he's fair. obviously supposed to be Elon Musk. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. People I say mean, that probably. Like he's Elon Musk. But like the he wrote the movie before the whole Twitter fiasco happened, and I don't even, think even he, Elon's been Elon I've for been a while. I've been Elon way okay. before. The I also thing. have, but I think in the in terms of the cultural zeitgeist for it's super cool to hate on Elon Musk yeah. that didn't necessarily happen until yeah. Um, okay, until he's then. just nameless billionaire. Sure. That you could you could probably insert half of. Yeah, them. Yeah, I think the point of the movie is like not that uh, Elon Musk is an idiot or that uh, <laughs> I, yeah, or my that point Elon, was that like Miles Braun's an idiot. Yeah, just or like or point. like it, the the people in power, the people who have like all of this power, aren't necessarily there because they're like super smart yeah. or or um, what's what's what does Miles Braun say in the movie? They're um, disruptors. Yeah, <sighs> I, 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 do, I do love the bit when he says when he says all those terrible words. Yeah, and breathe he says one of them about about Benoit being a detective. I just can't remember which one it was called again. I think I also kind of I thought it was funny that the Mona Lisa. And he bought the Mona Lisa. That's just yeah. kind of pretty fun. Um, the pre-definite detective. <laughs> yeah. Which is just... <laughs> Again, it, that's the thing. Is it's funny when it, it's, when it can I think, be. Look, I like this movie, man. Like, I had fun watching it. Like, I'm not so, like, picky, I guess the word is, about my mystery movies. Okay. But... I, I mean, I was going to say, like, ornery, but I don't think that's the right word. Picky just... I'm just saying that because that means that I'm picky. Look, man. <laughs> but, like, I'm not... I'm not so worried about yeah, ordinary is not the right word. I'm not so like concerned about how the mystery plays out as long as the movie's good. Like Knives Out's amazing. Um what's some other mystery movies I can think of? See how Usual they suspects. Run? Yeah. But see how they run recently came out. Some people weren't a big fan of the mystery of it. But I, I had fun watching it, so I liked it. So I, I enjoyed Glass Onion. I do have some issues with it. Don't get me wrong. Go ahead like, and say those then when whenever you're one want of the ma- I was when I was rewatching it. Or so I've already seen it twice. So I just I was watching some of it last night to just refresh myself. So I've seen it two and a half times. Nice. Um, when they first arrive on the island and like Benoit, like is like, oh these rich people, you know, you know. When when all the luggage is there, and then she's like, my name's Andy. Oh yeah, I thought that was weird too. That bothered me because there's nobody around to yep. hear that. And it, then again, the scene cuts to them talking about which what again happens later. It just yeah, is, she like bends down a tire shoe. And then he whispers to her. Yeah, it's just a lot of that. Like that. That's what just. It's. It's. It just. Upon watching it again, I found it a lot less enjoyable when that's just the case. Because then 
the first the, the first hour once you know them like thing is with knives out even though I know the mystery I could watch that movie over and oh, over yeah. again I might watch it later but frankly. glass onion or I Babylon, don't I haven't decided I don't find that rewatchability at all to me it just found like after I know what's happening the first hour is rendered basically moot at that yeah. point the first watch through it's good but I just the think the second it, watch through was good I like because like I didn't mind the cutaways. I just don't like that style personally, and I like that. So okay. to to well, le- to lean into my last Jedi stamp statement that I've said, Ryan Johnson has done this tendency in the past with the entire Holdo thing, where she just doesn't explain what she's doing okay. the whole time. Yeah. That that's a tendency that he's shown, where it's just like if I just don't have characters communicate like actual human beings, or just don't show the audience, then it makes the movie more tense. When in reality, it's all just artificial where yes obviously all movies are fake but you know I, yeah i was just messing with when i said that i know i know davis i know so what would you rec- like if you if they okay imagine ryan johnson's listening to this and he's like okay alex here are the masters you edit it okay and you, let's just say you're like the perfect you're like you're, you're good at editing so, yeah, so how I, would you fix it to make it better well for i mean you? one you write the movie differently by the way obviously but i can't do that so that's fair so i think the movie has a ni- nice like the part where um like Duke talks about when I almost pancaked you outside of Andy's and he says Anderson Cooper's birthday party. That's a great example of what they should have kept doing. Like when Duke says, look at my phone and they don't show you the phone. I'm fine with that. Cause that's, that's less just ending a dialogue scene before you see, before it finishes and then saying, Oh, they actually kept talking here and there rather than just cutaways like that is fine. Now, obviously I can't save the movie with an edit. You have to rewrite the movie personally but i think there's something there it just doesn't really I, again what i brought up earlier i'm actually fine with because you're right miles is an idiot he probably thinks he could get away with killing andy a second time to he, be did. Honest with you. he yeah, did yeah exactly because he's an idiot that's fine but i think you definitely it's kind of fun just like because usually sorry alex but no go ahead usually like the killer's like this cunning like even ransom was kind of dumb but like he was also kind of he knew what he was doing like, he knew what he was doing but like miles Braun's just stupid and, and i think that's hilarious and i think the whole thing is very very funny in that sense i just think that there there was a way to do it to make it less just i don't know i just i just don't like being deceived for the sake of it like i'd rather mm. be as confused as the characters so than how just, would you like would you make it so that all the scenes where it cuts away it just plays it out or would you have the beginning of the movie where that knock on the door happens and it cuts away where it's like there's there's someone so he's someone with a box <laughs> There's someone with a box, and then it shows Andy or, or uh, Helen. Yeah, you just show that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but they showed that at the beginning of the movie. I think yeah. it would be no, no, no. Like, like you show Helen, like my sister is dead, and I received this box, which happens later. Well, I think for one, I think the mystery itself was compelling enough. They just didn't give it enough because, like, the idea is they still don't know, have any idea who killed. Um, so if if you let that mystery play out throughout the whole film and you figure out that Miles is who Miles is while also have Helen and Blanc simultaneously trying to figure out who would kill Andy to protect Miles, then I think it can progressively work its way there. Again, I would just rewrite the movie. I think, yeah, if if I were Ryan Johnson, I, if, if for sure it would need a rewrite. But, like, maybe there's another character who we only get their point of view through it. And then it's just easier so, when you get, like, when you give someone yeah. their own po- would, POV. Would you would you give Helen the POV then? 
Yeah. And then that's just knives out. That's just knives out again. I think he had to change up the formula. I know, but the problem is okay, so think about think about knives out though, right? Think about how knives out works if we also follow around Fran. The whole mystery kind of falls apart because it's very obvious what's actually going on. But the point is, you you because then in order to make it a mystery, you have to keep cutting away Fran's scenes in the middle of them. That that's just again, this is my major beef with it. I think the movie does. I don't. Gr- I don't know if that's a well, then, great analogy. Because that's what's happening. Because the whole reason. Maybe if you said the first half of the movie was through Marta's point of view, and then the second half. No, I'm saying that. But that, anyway. The point is, I just don't. I think it could have been done a lot better. I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna see the third movie because he's gonna get a great cast and it's gonna be funny. I just think that it should have found a, another way to deceive the characters and not deceive the audience. You don't have to play it out in front of our eyes, but cutaway scene after cutaway scene, which is what most of it is, especially when they play it back. It's like, oh, well, this scene, like for example, the scene when Duke sees whiskey and um, Miles. what's his fa- and Miles get it together. They just decide you're just not going to hear the audio through the window, and later on you will hear the audio through the window. Like that's annoying. That's an that's an editing technique, and not an actual scene of a movie. Hmm. I agree. That was probably my least favorite part of it. But, it, it, like, it didn't feel like a cool reveal. It felt like a well, all right. I feel okay. As an audience member, you're just showing us something that you hit away. Like again, where we see Blanc and. Andy meet up and it just shows a bit of what they say and then later on in the flashback we see Blanc and Helen meet up and they talk a lot more because it's just, it's just it's just pulling the wool over our eyes for the sense of we have to make this whole thing work and we have to make a two hour movie that's that's where my beef is with it still though again I, fair. I like Daniel Craig I like Benoit. I didn't mean to keep shouting you down Davis I apologize <laughs> I, trust me I'm just, wor- I'm just worried if I shouted you into submission over there because you normally never just say that's fair to what I say But I mean your criticisms are fair I just don't really agree I think I've made that clear that I, I, I still enjoy it. I had fun watching it and again I still think it, it's it's bolstered by a really good cast I really love Dave Bautista by the way and he should be in more stuff like, oh no he yeah he's, I think he's gonna be in a lot of stuff he said recently that uh, he, he doesn't know why uh, people aren't casting that was so sad is it because I'm not hot enough well, you know, he said he looked in the mirror and I wonder if I'm ugly or whatever he said. And I was like, Dave. I really like him, though. Also, somebody said a fan cast of him as Hugo Strange. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the DC yep. Lord. That'd be cool. Because people want, people are like making him Bane, but Bane needs to be Hispanic, by the way, just for the sake of getting the character right one time. Is Dave Bautista. No, he's part Filipino, isn't he? Maybe. I think so. Well, his name's Bautista. Well, yeah, okay. Which makes me. <laughs> it's quite. Spanish. Yeah, that's why I was questioning if he was Hispanic. Well, apparently he isn't. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. That really shines a light onto this. He's Greek and Filipino. Okay, so. He has the tattoos on his arms. I watched a video about it the other day. His tattoos are impressively extensive. He used to have one of uh, Manny Pacquiao's thing. Oh, really? But he came, Manny Pacquiao said some homophobic stuff, so he removed it. He's pretty cool. His mother is, well, he has two mothers. So he's really ah. supportive of the LGBTQ AI plus community. Fun fact about Dave Batista Bidino. Also for Shout us wrestling Dave fans, Batista, he, very cool guy. When he was just Batista, which is I think quite funny that his last name was just turned into a wrestling name. Every time he would enter, he would fake shoot machine guns and fireworks would shoot up behind him, which is awesome. Anyway, I still really like a lot. Again, the cast is great. They're all, they're all like the cast is just really good. Edward Norton is awesome. By the way. I love Edward Norton. He's really good in this, and he's hilariously. <laughs> he's so- Stupid. Did you see? Um, so the there's that painting of him that's him shirtless, <laughs> and then uh, the apparently it's just um, it's oh my god, huge blank Fight Club guy. 
Oh, uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Okay. Oh, is it really? It's, it's, it's a picture of Brad Pitt from Fight Club, his body with Edward Norton's That's face. That's funny. <laughs> and there's also there's Kanye. There's the painting of Kanye, and he dressed up like Tom Cruise from Magnolia. Yes, in the he bar did. Scene. See, like that's Which cool. That's fun. I love how Blanc just is like that's not that's that is not the um a G or it is the GNC. He calls it something else. Um, I own no. I own what? ENC. No. Oh, he calls it the. He calls a- it Adriat. No. Adriatic? I thought he calls it the Ionian Sea, and it's the Aegean it Sea. Yeah. Anyway, it's th- those kind of reveals are really funny. I just think you you do more of that, less of you don't get to see what just happened. Kind of that. Yeah. That's my my main gripe. But again, I give it a six and a half, seven. It was still an enjoyable, fun movie to me. I just mm-hmm. think the rewatching it the second time immediately after watching Knives Out really hurt my view of it. Alex, you should watch see how they run. Ronan. Uh, Adrian Brody. Cersei Ronan? Yeah. I'm on a big Cersei Ronan craze right it's, now because I saw Lady Bird one time. <laughs> it's like someone watched a ton of Wes Anderson movies and was like, okay, I'm going to make a satire of whodunits. Okay, um, you just sold me on that movie. It's cool. I, I got away. Let's go. I, Chris yeah. didn't, Chris Tobias, our friend Chris didn't really we like it. He uh, thought it was like too insisting upon itself. He's like, oh yeah, we're making fun of whodunits. But I liked it. Like it kind of, it. I liked it. See how we run, you it, say? Yeah, see how they run. It's see like it's run. like a whodunit, but it's, while it's doing it, it's making fun of whodunits. Because they're investigating a whodunit play. Oh, I just came out And this the main year. guy. That's all I give. All right, but what do you rate Knives Out or Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery? The Glass Onion. I'll give it a seven and a half since you kind of talked me down. I would have given it like an eight. Finley. I'll still give it a thumbs up. It's definitely not a thumbs <sighs> there you down. Go, there you go. It's definitely not a thumbs down. Maybe I'll go to a star system. That's just half of a rate out of ten. <laughs> That's just the same thing anyway, isn't yeah. it? It's now, what's next for Knives Out? Obviously, there's going to be another Netflix film. They're it's going to make money, and it's going to be successful, I'm sure. Are they going to continue the formula of halfway through the movie, a twist happens that you weren't suspecting, plus there's a um, um, like a, a unsuspecting woman that is with... Benoit Blanc the whole time. <laughs> Janelle Monet was so good, by the way. I, I, love I, 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 didn't, I didn't speak on that enough because we I know we were going through that big issue I had with it. But Janelle Monet is awesome. She seamlessly plays two people, so she's great. She's great all around. Yeah, don't she forget is. it. She's in Moonlight as well. Ah, you know we're watching that for our film class, Davis. Have so you I'll, seen it? I finally have seen it. No, I haven't seen it yet. God. Sorry. Have you, also, seen, have you seen Kingdom Heaven, Davis? <gasps> uh oh. She's also uh, a musical artist, and her music's really good. She's also mm-hmm. great. It's just, it's just, she's really great. I just want to, can I actress. give a shout out to her album real quick? Yes, of course. Um, her album, Dirty Computer, is amazing. If really you feel, great if, album. And if you feel so inclined, you can go listen to it if you, if you like, if you want, if you, if you feel like you want to. Anyway, on to the Ministry of Truth, guys. Do we, do we read the Ben Shapiro Knives Out uh, review? Well, Alex, we you should. basically already gave his okay. opinion. I think Alex's opinion is more like, <laughs> I didn't really like this, whereas so, Ben's was like, this was objectively bad and lazy and terrible, and I hate him, and I hate him. Why don't we just get... I'll give, I'll give you some... He made sto- mystery... Oh, wait, that was my David Lynch voice. He made <laughs> mysteries woke. Something like that. Here's the thing. So, um, first he talks about the writing for a moment, which, okay, whatever, Ben. But, of course, he's also hyperbolic and says it's terrible, and it's all a waste or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, let's see... I'm about to look up something crazy while you're doing that about Ben Shapiro. And oh, also, um, by the way, he's telling the audience via Blanc that everything Miles Braun did is dumb. That's the lazy writer's way out. You know what? You know what? You're written is bad, so you just say it's bad. No, the no. point is that Miles Braun is an idiot. You can write a dumb character. It's not that Ryan Johnson wrote bad dialogue and said, "Oh gosh, I need someone to tell him that my dialogue is bad." And then he talks about like, sorry, I'll get close to the mic. Um, and then he talks about how um, 
oh, oh, they rely on all these mystery tropes. That's crazy. That's so dumb. He's such a lazy writer. But tropes aren't like a crutch. They're a tool. Like yeah. you can, as long as he doesn't use the tropes in a lazy way, and he doesn't. Like, yeah. it's not like it was like, oh, he used the twin twist. That's so lazy. Like you can see Benoit's like, oh man, I've got a crazy idea. No, it might work. It might just work. And then he's like, it's just more of a characterization of Benoit Blanc than it is like, mm, I'm gonna be lazy. Yeah, like I, I think that again was a, just a complete misfire. And then of course we go to the politics. Ben says, "Quote." Ryan Johnson's politics is as lazy, which is an incorrect <clears> – <throat> that's a grammatical error, Ben. Really incredible work there. Is as lazy as his writing. His take on the universe is that Elon Musk is bad and is a bad and stupid man that anyone who likes him in media, politics, or tech is being paid off by him, end quote. I want to go on a bit further because he said he tweeted something that was crazy. Um, let's see. But, oh, he says, quote, but any of them could at any time burn down Miles slash Musk and reap massive benefits, literally any one of them. Duke would become an, overnight the biggest host in the world for uncovering the conspiracy of silence. Birdie would immediately become a famous social justice warrior, wiping out any Malaysian sweatshop problems. Claire would become a president. Pe- Peg or Whiskey would become famous. Lionel would become a virtuous whistleblower. But in Ryan Johnson's bizarro world, taking down the most powerful and rich person in the world is something nobody would consider weird since he just made $40 million movie trying to do just that. Okay, end quote to that. The whole point is that they're terrible. Like, I think they're annoying caricatures, but... The whole point is that they're all stupid and w- and don't want to do that. They're all bad. That's and, the whole point of the end when they double down about, oh, I didn't see the napkin. Yeah, and like, like Andy tried and it, she failed. Like it, just, it didn't work out for her. Um, and the then, characters could not act like themselves. Bad movie. What? Anyway, well, this like, man, this man a little dumb. Davis, what you, what you out here looking up over there, man? I was trying to, while you were looking, oh, I got to find it again. Um, while you were looking, Talking about Ben Shapiro's review, I was like, I wonder what movies Ben Shapiro reviews. Oh, the <laughs> Batman review? Oh, unfortunately, I could not find like a comprehensive list of all movies. He's been like, this is a good movie, you should watch it. But I did find a Reddit post on r slash Ben Shapiro show asking what movies he reviews. He said, list of Ben Shapiro's recommended movies. Has anyone made a full list of the movies he has recommended on his podcast? I'm tired of watching movies that are a full leftist ideology. A long list of mm. movies recommended by a conservative source would be great as well. Yeah, I'm just so tired of all these woke SJWs <laughs> so making movies. I am. Look, man, I am too. I just want a good old fashioned movie. Did they give? Did they give us a list though? No, they, oh. they, there was a list, but it was private on IMDb. Oh so man, mm. that's that. That would have been hysterical. I wonder what movies he would choose. Well, he doesn't. I could make a joke, but it could be slander, so I'm not going to say it. Back back from when men could be men, you know what I mean? (laughs) I bet he likes like. I still think it's crazy that um, stagecoach, maybe sure that Matt Walsh was like Dirty Harry. He was like the Northman did not get nominated because it only has white men, and then his two favorite movies were movies starring only white cast being the Northman and All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm like, hmm, I wonder. I wonder wonder where you went wrong there. And it just, ugh, annoying. Anyway, on to something a little funnier and more lighthearted, I would say. Well, actually not. It's an interesting debate. An Oscars notoriety debate. And it starts with a tweet, guys. It says, quote, do the Oscars have a contract with Roger Deakins or something? Then below that, a second tweet by the same person. I won't mention because there's no need to mention the person on Twitter. Quote, great cinematographer and all, but the guy works on a movie that no one talks about or likes and is still pulling nominations, end quote. Now Deakins received a nomination for his cinematography on Empire of Light, 
which stars Olivia Coleman and has a 6.8 on IMDb and made $4 million at the box office. This raises that important question that has been reinforced with the latest Avatar film. What defines cultural impact? And it certainly comes up with Knives Out not being a huge box office hit. But still, do we have an issue with this statement? The guy works in a movie that no one talks about or likes and is still pulling a nomination. I'm going to make a basketball reference here. Yes. Like, so Roger Deakins is like pretty undisputably or like you can't really debate. He's one of the best cinematographers. He he is considered so a like, top Even if one. he's not doing a, a Blade Runner 2049, just like if LeBron's not playing, he's not making the playoffs. He's, his name's still in the MVP conversation. Because he's still very good. LeBron. And like it's, it's Roger Deakins. And it's also not just the name, mind you, because I also have a big issue with the idea of I haven't he- seen in this movie or heard about it or heard any reviews or seen any memes, so the cinematography will not be good. Okay, and? I trust like, Roger Deakins. Like, if, um, some movies that cannot be seen by anybody can have the best sound design of all time, and if they have the best sound design of all time, they get nominated. If Roger Deakins makes good cinematography on a bad movie, the cinematography is still good. And this list leans into another thing, because people are still... I, we didn't talk about it enough on the Avatar episode, the fact that everyone's like, well, I haven't seen any memes about Avatar, so it must not be good. Okay, and? So, Morbius is the most memeable movie of all time, and it sucked anyway. Whoa. It did. <laughs> okay. But still, like, I, I just have a... Like, I can't wait for more BS. More. That was good. Yeah, yeah. thank you. But I, like, I made that joke on our Morbius episode. <laughs> <laughs> the idea, oh, no one talks about it, so it can't go to the Oscars, but that, the whole point of the Oscars is the movies that get nominated if they're good, not because they get talked about. Like, if a movie is good, it gets nominated. Nobody saw The Father or watched it or talked about it when it got nominated, but Anthony Hopkins still gave the best performance that year, Davis, as we both oh said. Goodness. I don't know if I, I was thinking about rewatching that. I, I don't know if I can do I it. I can't. Finley, we're, we're watching it at the apartment at one point. Cause, okay. Oh, you just said you can't rewatch it. But to, with, with, to get other people who haven't seen it to watch it, I will. I think, I think I probably want to watch it alone. Yeah, I, <sighs> I think that'd be better. Well, same with After Sun, I think it would be better alone. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. But again, the point stands though, like, if a movie is good and the performance is good, it gets nominated. This is not a popularity contest. I I just think it's very it, egotistical to go. I haven't seen it. It also or is a popularity it. contest, though. Well, yeah, but it's. But I get what you mean. I'm just saying it is a popularity. No, I know, I know. And and me, me and Goth talked about that, that too. If that, I get popular enough, I'll make an Oscar nomination. Just saying. Oh wow, there you go. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's annoying and very frustrating because it's the idea that indie movies can't be really good or movies that weren't very popular can't have great cinematography or great sound design. If Olivia Coleman gave the performance of a lifetime in that movie, I hope she'd get nominated. Even though I didn't see it. Like, it doesn't matter. Good acting is good acting. It doesn't really... Or good cinematography from the man himself, Roger Deakins, who... People brought it up with John Williams, too. Like, oh, he just got handed nominations. No, it's because everything he and Spielberg made was awesome. Like, he he went from... A very, he did a very rudimentary Jaws theme, kept it rudimentary with Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then made Star Wars, and then made yeah. Indiana Jones, and then made Jurassic Park which is one of the greatest adventure soundtracks of all time, along with Schindler's List in the same calendar year. Maybe, guys, maybe if, if they get nominated a bunch, they're good? Yeah, it's just like if John Williams releases a score, he's probably going to get nominated. If Spielberg releases a movie, if Tarantino releases a movie, they're probably going to get nominated for Best Director. But it's because they're good at their job, yes, not because they, they're just giving handed a participation Well, trophy. like, yeah, like, because they're some of the best ever, it's expected yeah. when they're going to release a good movie, so they'll get nominated. Plus, if you have a, a movie that's super popular, everybody's talking yes. about it. It's got the greatest award of all. A bunch of money. 
And sure. memes. Don't forget memes, guys. Memes are the key detailed cultural impact, obviously. Memes now, are pretty important now. I would say I would say so. Now I got someone's gonna win a president presidency because of a meme one day. Somebody kind of did win you know a presidency. I mean, like, because like of it's memes. gonna hinge on like memes. I'm just think about it. It might have, it could have already happened. I don't know, man. They they were saying lock her up in 2016, and that was a whole. Eh, that wasn't really a meme. It was, that, was, that was like a slogan. <laughs> I don't know. He hit her with the because you because you would be in jail or whatever. That that was a meme. I saw I saw a funny video anyway, of Trump the other day. TikTok uh, movie movie opinions. <laughs> we got to talk about these from the Ministry of Truth. I'm only going to go through one. This reads quote: Don't get me wrong. I'm really excited to watch the Barbie movie in Oppenheimer, but the new wave of movies that that are just. Every actor you've ever seen jam-packed into three-hour movies by a very pretentious director has left me a little fatigued, I es- especially after being so excited for the French Dispatch, only for it to leave me with literally nothing. So often these casts fail to mess with each other, and these movies end up feeling strangely underwhelming, and yet like a sensory overload all at once, and I just feel like they were made for the sake of being made. I feel like getting angry because Amsterdam was bad is not really a valid point. French Dispatch was good. I liked it. Because, like... You, you bring in Oppenheimer, but um, Inception, maybe one of the greater ensemble movies in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're ensemble? forgetting. Yes, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Caine, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Tom Hardy wasn't huge. Neither, like, the biggest name there is DiCaprio. What's that? But that's. I feel like Inception's like an what, ensemble what, cast. What is at the t- no, no, listen, listen. At the time, I don't feel like you would have seen that and be like, wow, this movie's absolutely insanely stacked. But, like, Oppenheimer now, you're like, Holy moly, everybody's in this. That, okay, yeah, now I'm looking at the cast and oh my god. But like if you like even like Oceans, like I you look at it now like Oceans like, wow, that's that's pretty stacked, but back then you're probably like, oh, the guy from Goodwill Hunting and Gone Baby Gone is playing the brother of Scott Kahn's son. Well, and it has George Clooney from ER. Well, these movies were made for no reason other than just to make them. You're forgetting yeah. about that. So, I mean, you've got... Movies are fake. Hold on. Okay, yeah. so Oppenheimer what, what, has... What movie was made... Okay, that's for, like, propaganda and stuff. What movies weren't made just to make a movie? Yeah, it... Like... Well, okay, there are so many examples. I also, I, resent the idea that, I also resent the idea that they're pretentious directors because they think they're good at their jobs. Like, they yeah, are good at their jobs. Like, uh, oh my gosh, Christopher Nolan is so pretentious, he's only made some of the best movies ever. Greta Gerwig is so pretentious because Little Women and Lady Bird are awesome. I don't really understand. Like, I think... I think that's a very lazy take for someone to make about. Here's something. Here's something for you, Alex. Portentious. What do you think of that? Portentious. Mm. What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, something about the future. I don't know. Also, for what it's worth, Oppenheimer has Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Rami Malek, Florence yeah, Pugh. Like that's an ensemble cast. That is pretty crazy. I'll admit. I'll admit. I, I don't know. I just think like that. That is such a late. Just because m- movies have been made. That I didn't think were going to be good anyway. Like, don't don't worry, darling. Didn't look good from the jump. Amsterdam did not look very good from the jump, other than the names. Like, Friends Dispatch, I didn't see it, but you said it was good, Davis. I like it. Finley, you see it? I liked it. Some people thought it wasn't great, but well, I enjoyed it. Um, it it was. I got. I went on a Wes Anderson binge after that, so I liked it because it was like, whoa, I like the way this is, and I hadn't really seen any Wes Anderson movies. Roll Tenenbaums? bombs. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thin Red Line ensemble cast was yes has everybody yeah like that's like Saving Private Ryan is an ensemble cast okay good movie who cares like I I don't really understand it and I think I think it's very late a very lazy take in my opinion because if a movie is good it's good not because an ensemble cast makes it bad like Barbie is going to be good because Greta Gerwig is Greta Gerwig and I trust that she's creating it and it's going to be great 
Oppenheimer just looks good because I think it could be good. Anyway, there's another one, but I'm going to save it for a little bit later on, as in next week, because we're running out of time. We need to do a what are we watching segment, everybody. Oh, what am I watching? I gotta oh, my goodness. So I watched The Bear recently. Wow. That show, it, we finished it. It's incredible. It's really good. Jeremy Allen White is amazing in that show. I think he deserves all the praise and all of the attention that he's beginning for that one. I also recently have watched – so I'm going on Letterboxd right now real quick. Everybody quick, open up the Letterboxd. Um, I recently just watched – let's see. What did I just watch? Um, I watched Lady Bird for the first time. I watched Everything Ever All at Once for the second time, and it's just as good. It's just it's just as good. Mm. And I watched the public in which is a weird gangster movie. It was weird. But yeah, that's been my watching segment. Finley? Uh, I have a point to make about everything everywhere at once. Oh, go which ahead. sort of ties in with knives out. Oh. Like those those are in like my top five movies and they the one of the main themes that is all in all of them is like sometimes when they throw like a Chekhov's gun with like um something that you like introduce earlier in the movie that it's gonna pay off at some point later is that they just introduce so many of them and then they all pay off in ways that you don't expect so that you kind of forget that they were there and you're like oh my god yeah that was there i remember that and they do that with knives out really well too so um uh i um i have watched movies recently i um i don't have a litter box so um you can get one um, i'm allowed to what? Yeah, Alex has given you permission, which is I know. I said you need to get one. Oh, not I, th- you I thought can. you said you can get one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank I you, guess sir. you get one. Thank you, sir. Um, I watched The Lobster. Oh yeah, some Colin Farrell. Some Colin Farrell. Some Colin I just Farrell. plain don't like you, Patrick. <laughs> um, Boom. I'll think about watching The Lobster. I watched The Banshees of Inisherin right before I watched The Lobster. Boom. And then Davis. I watched The Last of Us. The Whale. Ooh, good, bad. Difficult. It was, it was good. Brendan Fraser was really that. good in it. Yeah, that's that's. I saw the, the Fablemans as I mentioned. Yes. I saw Burn After Reading. If you've heard of that one, I have heard about that. It's pretty silly. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. Very it was, nice. It was, it, was, it was like spy movie, but not spy movie. Coen Brothers are awesome. Um, and I watched In Bruges. In Bruges. Which ah. is a Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Martin McDonough movie. Good. And with that, we got to wrap up real oh, quick with our trivia questions. Who plays the crown prince of Zamunda in Coming to America? Do not answer. And in the movie Fellowship of the Ring, who solves the riddle to en- enter the minds of Moria? And with that, thank you, Finley, for joining the show. And as always, thank you, Davis, for being here as always. Yeah, we got to get out of here quick. There's another the show. We do. So I'm going to begin the outro. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of Through the Lens. We apologize for our delays, but the final season is continuing. We hope you enjoyed another episode here on WEGL 91.1 FM. And if you have any thoughts on the Ryan Johnson mystery series Knives Out, you can reach out to the show directly by following us on Instagram at Through the Lens WEGL. We'll be back next week to discuss another pair of films from a promising director, Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird and Little Women, featuring returning guests Cameron Kasperzak and Sidney Babb. This is Alex Houston alongside my co-host Davis Carroll and special guest Finley Meyer signing off. We will talk again next week.